Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. If you're the type of person that goes to liberty as other people would go on safari, and the fact that John Lewis doesn't have a funeral service makes you fret, Sarah Smith cleaning cloths are for you. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. This week's episode is sponsored by Voitel. They provide business telephone systems' latest technology, customised and tailored to suit business requirements, remote management and configuration. Their selling points are that they lower costs by removing line rentals, increase flexibility and fit in with the business, rather than making the business fit in with their phone system. They're based in mainland UK. Hi, Charlotte Martin here. I play the character you love to hate, Susan Carter. Get your questions to me on dumptydum.com via SpeakPipe because I'll be joining Lucy and Royfield on the show on October the 24th for a Village Shop special. So get your tabards and name badges at the ready, and I look forward to speaking to you soon. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the pub lavatory that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the overfill colostomy bag that is... Lucy Freeman. And with us, we have Borchester Barrister of the Month, Anna Tregoran, a.k.a. Isabel Middleton. Because I know you listen to Dumpty Dum every week. I do. You're such a fibber. I do! I listened to I listened to the last one today while I was walking my dog. Really? So, yeah. So I do listen to it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Woohoo! My favourite <laughs> barrister. I tell you what, she's better than Rumpole of the Bailey. Well... Prettier as well. Well, that's purely... <laughs> too long, that subjective. silence was too long. It's purely subjective. 
Yeah, you know what? <laughs> that Leo McKern, he, he wasn't easy on the eye, was he, to be fair? Oh, he was lovely, though. It, it's he a was low lovely. bar. If you're comparing yourself to him, it's a very low bar, but you are. You absolutely <laughs> are. <laughs> I don't know whether I feel insulted or flattered. <laughs> <laughs> and the last part of our closing time punch-up, folks, is you. Now, today's dum-de-dum is oh, crumbs. It's one from the vaults because I completely and utterly forgot to put in <laughs> on the rundown of the script who it was going to be. So I'm going to take pot luck on our archive, folks, but Lucy. Mm-hmm. Next week, we're going to be more prepared, aren't we? Because we're going to get a fresh dum-de-dum. Now, if somebody wants to send a fresh one in, how do they do that? Uh, if you would like to sing us a dum-de-dum, Give us a plot prediction or deliberately mislabel some chutney. Then ring us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us, to Shambridges for her lovely voices and to Derek for the loan in the back bedroom. Derek was very annoyed after the Flower and Produce show as he just missed out on winning Guess the Weight of Auntie Cardboard. He was, uh, <laughs> he was two tons out, apparently. <laughs> wow, folks. We have a bumper, bumper show for you this week because we not only have Isabel Middleton, but we have calls from Blythe Spirit, who's leading the pro Emma charge with a spoon, who wants to know why everyone hates couples therapy. Paul Room, who thinks Kirsty's up the clanger. Claire, who wants to fire Rob. Debs is getting wound up by Adam. Bye 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 bye. Steve, who thinks that Rex deserves it. Vicky Cole, who understands Ian. Annalisa, who's loving Helen. New York Nigel, who says, won't anyone think of the colostomy bag? Amy, who agrees with Jill. Auntie Jean, who's instigated shit of the week. Goddess Diva, who's cheering Emma. Millie Bell, who thinks David's a bad parent. Yokel Bear, who applauds continuity. Sarah, who likes the trajectory of Rob. Naked Fingers, who thinks Brighton may be revealed. John the First, who's seeing signs and omens. Tiny Ray Ray, who thinks Chris's trousers may be coming down. Jan from Cannes, who's discovered a secret relative jack smith who's desperately speaking charlotte and <gasps> christina who's given up and is going to change her company's name because royfield can't pronounce it <laughs> but first folks before the interview before the caller in is, is lucy v freeman's week in ambridge <laughs> We began the week with Jill lifting a huge amount of something which was very heavy and Tobri offering to help and then Pip offering to help move the big lot of whatever it was too. I couldn't quite understand what the big heavy thing was and I was going to go back and listen again and then I realised that I didn't actually care. <laughs> Titchy Knob and his first encounter with Giddy Jack was eventful. Giddy Jack screamed and shat himself which shows what an excellent <laughs> judge of character he must be and at such a tender age. Hootie Jill went round the flower and produce show crowing and hooting about how much she'd won and the man from the Echo took her photo covered in chutney and then she realised it wasn't even her chutney. Somehow this turned out to be Toby's fault. To be fair to him, as far as Jill is concerned, Toby is entirely responsible for everything from global warming to the rise of neo-fascism. Anyway, Susan made her feel better by reassuring her that no one would realise that she'd attempted to cheat the judges blind and get her sticky mitts on the Frida Fry trophy. The Frida Fry trophy <laughs> is a small model of Frida cast in silage with one hand on her hot pot and the other on Bert's marrow. <laughs> we spent some time with Adenoidal Alice as she planned a monster party. 
with cupcakes and locally sourced beef burgers, apparently. Oh, it's like Mardi Gras. Adenoids seems to be getting posher by the minute. She was fairly slow knee before, but now she sounds like Princess Eugenie. I can't listen to her without picturing that bizarre <laughs> poached egg thing on her head. Don't forget to invite your two-timing twat of a brother, will you, Alice? Said Jenny, darling. <laughs> that didn't entirely work out as planned as Adenoids finished up calling him a two-timing twat. In fact, Alice was so spectacularly holier than thou about the whole gentleman's buttonhole debacle that I strongly suspect Chris is going to be found with his anvil right up someone from the pony club. The party itself <laughs> sounded like the kind of thing I would run two miles away from in tight shoes. Adenoids, who is rapidly taking on Kate's mantle as most annoying archer, decided to wheel Ed round as rent-a-peasant. He turned up <laughs> dressed as he normally is in some sacking with a straw hat and odd welly singing I am a Zoida drinker, <laughs> only to find himself being wheeled around Kate's friends who were all Dominic and were terribly bleeding edge clever apparently and who held the future British farming in their hands. This is my friend Ed, who like dig stuff with like a spade, not a drone. No, honestly, say hello, Ed. Listen to this. He's amazing. Bearing in mind <laughs> the amount of times Ed's family has exploited the horny handed sons of toil persona in order to exploit money from the general public. Ed shouldn't be that surprised that he's used like a sort of worstle gummage vivant, I suppose. The only person that enjoyed the party less than Ed was Rex even though Ed is no stranger to the woman he loves nobbing his brother, at least she had the grace never to do it in front of him. Rex caught Pip and Toby in flagrante de snoggo, and despite Toby's assurances that it was all entirely Pip who chased after him screaming, fill me with your little babies, Rex is predictably <laughs> gutted. But after the somewhat arch way Pip handled the whole situation, I think the best he can do is find someone nice. Christy, maybe, if he can wrestle her off Sausage Boy. The stars were out for Susan in Ambridge, or rather the stars were off, as Susan's self-applied nipple tassels started dropping off calendars all over the place. Jennifer visited Adam and pulled up a back box of scampi fries to have a chat with him while he sat cuddled up with a cardboard cutout of the steak covered in ready salted peanuts. He said he was fine, it's all fine, it's all my fault, I deserve to die. Then Brian came along and said, well, thank you very much, Adam, you've made everyone in my house even more annoying than they were already then hurriedly capitulated and gave him some advice <laughs> for a long and happy marriage. Basically, Adam, you need to find a dense social climber who's really good at puddings like Jenny and marry them. And then every time you get caught potting the black, buy them a kitchen. Josh and Johnny. <laughs> you can't say that, Lucy. It's really bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, Middle England. Stop <laughs> <laughs> Josh and Johnny, or rather Father Ted and Father Dougal, as I like to think of them, those chickens were resting in my account, went off looking for a mower. They found one that only had 47 million miles on the clock, two careful owners and one lunatic, air conditioning, surround sound, and a massive choppy bit on the front. Something dodgy went on, I'm not sure what, but David's finished coughing up the difference between what the mower would have cost if Josh had behaved decently and what the mower actually cost now that Josh had robbed the seller blind with Johnny standing in the background saying, Ah, right, Josh. And we ended with a scene that had me dancing round my kitchen, cackling like a maniac. At last, at bloody last, someone told Titchinob that they weren't very happy with him, which everyone has singularly failed to do so far. Emma, or rather Baroness Grundy of Grange Farm, because surely if ever a woman had a right to a title, it's now Emma, after that performance, had a right pop at a Larry Titchinob in the bogs at the bull. She stood there, hands on the hips of her juicy couture, wagged her finger about and said what we've all been saying, but without the swearing. 
and then joy of joys, lovely David and gentleman Jazza dragged him out and dumped him on his ass. Oh, what bliss it was to be alive. The end. Lucy, I really enjoyed that this week. What did you rank to it, Isabel? I thought it was marvellous. I think it should be on the radio. <laughs> if you, because I know you've got like power and influence at the BBC now. Huge, yes. Yeah, huge. Um, which of the BBC channels would you place Lucy's monologue? Um, six music. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Who's your six music DJ of choice? Oh, Sean Keaveney. Really? Why? Oh, I just think he's he's like man of the people, isn't he? He's like you, Roy Philip. You know, he's he's easy to listen to. He's he's a bit of a he's he's lovely. He just sounds like a really nice bloke. I like having him in my kitchen. That sounded rude, didn't it? <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's totally fine. If you said you liked having him in your bedroom, that would have sounded rude. <laughs> well, I've, I, sometimes I've had him in the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm getting into dangerous territory now. I think we should just properly start with our chat because you know what this is definitely a family podcast and we won't yes. have any smutty or uh pun related references no no smut i i know that that's off the cards definitely how are you i'm all right how are you I, i'm i'm tip top <laughs> <laughs> first rate <laughs> very good anyone ever told you that you look like julie andrews uh no that's a first is it just because i'm wearing my um tie and tails there you go and you know, yeah sporting a rather large uh cigar indeed indeed i like to have a friday afternoon Ooh, i feel i've deserved it <laughs> i like your style and vibes madam um so how's your week been good uh yeah i can't believe it's friday actually mm-hmm. uh, so it's been one of those weeks where one minute it was Monday and now it's Friday and I don't know what's happened in between. So Tuesday, um, Wednesday and Thursday? Possibly. But then I could (laughs) just have been sucked back through a space-time continuum into the 1970s. You you need to stop it because (laughs) I've read your IMDb profile. It says nothing about you being Doctor Who's companion. Oh, no. Well, if only. I'm still hoping. But you know what? It's pretty extensive, isn't it? Because, uh, you know... My he's... CV or, <laughs> yes. or the space-time continuum. <laughs> Both. But let's leave metaphysics and science fiction to one side. If we okay. deal with your, your career, um, <laughs> you've been on every soap going other than Corrie. It's true. So, um, yes, makers of Corrie. Mm-hmm. Hope you're listening. Um, I have in my time. Yeah, I mean, I've been around the block a bit. And, um, yeah, I've done a little bit on EastEnders. I've done a little bit on... Family Affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done Doctors. I mean, I don't know. Probably people are horrified now because some of these things are not considered soaps, are they? I have to be very careful about the, um, you know, how we how we word these things uh-huh. because people get upset. But yes, I've been in, in some soaps and some serial dramas. So, as you said, you've been about a bit. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you've done movies. So, <laughs> you know... Well, uh, I've done I've done very small parts in very small movies. Well, the last the last <laughs> time I checked, Harry Potter is a bony fide movie. Ah, uh, yes, but don't be confused. Mm-hmm. I did the video game. 
I didn't do the movie. Oh. Um, this has been, a, um, a, in fact, a fairly frequent <laughs> mis, uh, mistake in my uh, in various places I've gone. I actually once went on holiday. I mm-hmm. won a holiday, this is no word of a lie, uh, by filling in um, a, a questionnaire that fell out of a magazine. Uh-huh. And I just filled it in for just for the sheer hell of it, sent it off. And about two months later, a very nicely spoken woman phoned me and told me that I had won um, a, a weekend in Carcassonne, courtesy of Country Life magazine. Mm-hmm. I obviously thought this was a friend of mine taking the piss, but it wasn't. <laughs> and so we went and had this amazing five-star weekend in uh, an incredible hotel in Carcassonne. And while we were there, I couldn't understand why all the staff were being so um, attentive and delightful. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that they'd obviously Googled me <laughs> and thought that I had been in the latest Harry Potter film. And eventually this woman came up and said, could I have your autograph? It's for my son. He loves Harry Potter. And I said, yes, you do realize I w- just was a voice in the video game of the Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> Unfortunately, because she was French, she didn't understand what I was saying, and my French is pretty lousy. But that's the misconception that I was in the film, and actually I wasn't. <laughs> so, so I'm sorry to disappoint you, Roy. Uh, listen, I'm absolutely not disappointed, because <laughs> I've never watched one Harry Potter movie, never read the books. I'm one of the few people in the Western world that's done neither. Uh, well, there you are. You're to me, a very exclusive club. Absolutely. To me, you're just Anna Tregoran, total Shiro. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's so, lucky it turned out the way it did, isn't it? Well, <laughs> with you on the case, there's only ever going to be one outcome, surely. Well, yes, this is true. What can I say? I hold my hands up and say that for all the obfuscation that must have gone on beforehand, mm-hmm. she pulled it out of the bag, didn't she? She did. She did. She did. Now, um... How did you get the role? How how did you hear about it? Uh, because I'm I'm a bit worried about my googling that I've done uh, previous mm. to this all about you. Because according to Google, you know you were Hermione Granger in in Harry <laughs> Potter, so that's all gone gone to crap. But as co- according to Google, you're a lifelong Archers fan. So first off, tell us how you got the role and then tell us about you being sat on your nanny's knee listening to, to the strains <laughs> of the Borchester Chimes, so to speak. Indeed. It, I, I am. I, I'll tell you about Granny in a minute. But yes, I got the job. Mm. Um, I'd always wanted to, to do an episode of the Archers. And um, I, about two years ago... Um, I told my agent who, you know, they were, there was a bit of a dip in things and they were like, right, what, what do you want to do? And I said, boy, do you know what I'd really love to do? I would love to do an episode of the archers. I've done some radio in my time, but never done that. So a few kind of emails were obviously fired off and it just happened to uh, land at the right moment when I was called in to do one episode. Um, and, uh, I came in to play, uh, the emergency doctor who arrived by helicopter to take care of Tony when he was ah. attacked by Otto the Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had one lovely day um, recording this episode and had an absolute blast on it. And at the time, the uh, editor and therefore the man in charge was Sean O'Connor. And mm-hmm. Sean and I have have crossed paths over our career several times. And um, I'm very fond of Sean. And uh, I wrote him a little card and said how lovely it was to um, have come to Ambridge for the day and that if he ever thought that there might be a further opportunity to come back, would he bear me in mind? And Mm -hmm. he very sweetly said, yes, of course. 
And sure enough, 18 months later, I had a phone call saying, how would you like to come back to Ambridge? And uh, we had a very hush-hush meeting about mm-hmm. the whole thing. And I obviously... On a scale was, of one to ten. Uh, yeah. Ten being like KGB, MI5, CIA lockdown. Yeah. What was it? You know, what What was the number on this? Uh, oh, my God. It was, like, it was like 45. Really? <laughs> really. I wasn't allowed to tell anybody anything Crumbs. about it. And, in fact, I wasn't told very much about it. I mean, I, I was a bit like... Um, one of uh, Josh's future mushrooms. I was really kept in the dark. <laughs> and uh, I was kind of, it was, you know, you were told what you needed to know, but that was about it. But mm-hmm. obviously I was given a heads up on what the, the storyline was and what, the, you know, the character was up to a point. But no, it was very much, we absolutely, you know, rely on you to keep this to yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't tell your family, don't tell your parents, don't tell anyone who's going to blab, blab about it. So for I had about three months before I started mm. where I was just <laughs> bursting. So I was so thrilled to have been asked um, and, uh, you know, very excited. Obviously, as a listener, I, I had followed the, the storyline very closely. So to think that I was going to be involved in something that I knew was, you know, making waves and to a certain extent making some sort of history on the radio and everything was very exciting. But I couldn't tell a soul. Um, I mean, I, I did tell my partner because otherwise I think I'd have spontaneously combusted, and, you know, <laughs> not being able to live like a normal person. But uh, yeah, until I actually started it. And then, of course, once we started recording, we couldn't tell anybody what was going on. Um, and I mean, th- you know, it's you only get the scripts a few days before you start recording the episode. So, you know, it's not as if you have a, a long time to go, oh, my God, this is going to happen. And then that's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, it was a real case of keeping it stum, you know. I mean, everybody does that out of loyalty and affection for the programme and for the listeners. So uh, what did you do to kind of let Jen up in, in, you know, up for the part of Anna? Did you take to the bottle? <laughs> did you start wearing barristers' wigs? What, you know? Well, obviously all of the above. Um, Are you no, partial I mean, to a little bit of gin? I, I don't mind gin. I, I, I kind of prefer vodka, to be honest. But oh, I do. Me too. When my mum and I get together, we we'll have a gin and tonic together. I mean, that's my we, real mum. Okay, not thank my, you. Not my Ambridge mum. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge spirits drinker. I have to say that actually, a bit like Anna, mm-hmm. I'm quite fond of the whiskey. Oh. But um, whiskey isn't so fond of me. <laughs> so, so I just. Uh, Little and you know infrequently. So when you get together with your Ambridge mom, do you have a little bit of a toke on a on a bit of a split? <laughs> I beg your pardon. What are you insinuating? Well, a toke. She, well, she she likes a bit of a smoke, doesn't she? Well, she she likes she likes hemp based kind of food products. So... I have no idea to what you're referring, Royfield. She's Pretty a fine, upstanding lines. member of the community. Um, as far as I know, that mm-hmm. uh, she likes to dabble in some, you know, herbs and um, medicines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying no more about Carol. But, now, uh, yes, she's a wise woman. <laughs> now, you have written about uh, being part of the entertainment industry. And I'm going to quote you on this. Oh, God. Okay. It, the entertainment theatre industry is dirty and beautiful by equal measure. Now, which bit of Ambridge is dirty and which bit's beautiful? <laughs> I'm only quoting I'd... back to you what you've written. 
I, I don't ever recall writing that. Um, I don't know where your, your okay. source is. All right. The source was on uh, a website where you answered a young female actor's uh, kind of worries about getting involved with, uh, with the industry. And you, oh my God. as an actor of some 20 years vintage, said, yeah. I'm an actress from 20 years vintage. And here it is, uh, young lady, blah, blah, blah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> My God, I've obviously you, had we, a lot of gin re- since then. Uh, we research this show, you know. People think we just throw it together, but oh no, no sir, I'm Bob. very impressed. Mm-hmm. I'm very impressed. Um, well, I think, obviously, I was talking in a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the trouble is, I haven't really, I mean, in, in character terms... Mm. Um, I haven't really, you know, got to see a lot of Ambridge. So I could only really talk about the, you know, dirty and beautiful within my my own <laughs> immediate vicinity. Mm. Uh, I imagine that probably Anna Tregoran's bedroom at her mother's house is quite dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's probably a bit of a slut, isn't she? But goes to work looking absolutely did pristine. You, did you, you said slut. Did you mean slub? <gasps> Maybe I did. Yes, that, that was obviously a Freudian slip. I, think I, probably I hope meant... you're not revealing future storylines. Oh, my God. I would never do such a thing on pain of death. And also because, quite frankly, I can't because I don't know them. <laughs> my lads. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. So how integral to the part of Anna is her sexuality? Because that's the one thing which kind of had people on tenderhooks when, when there was all this talk of Max. Were you aware of all the online speculation? I, I was. I mean, I did, obviously, you know, there was a bit of a sort of Twitter storm going over the whole sort of Archer's, you know, build mm-hmm. up to the trial. And ever ever since, uh, you know, the unfortunate incidents in Blossom Hill Cottage, I, I had kept an eye on Twitter. Were they Although unfortunate? I have to say, I think I have they to were say that very I, fortunate. I think he, he, he had that coming and more. Uh, well, I obviously couldn't comment on that. Uh, it would be most unprofessional. Um, but uh, I did keep an eye on it. And yes, of course, you know, the the whole Max thing was a sort of, uh, you know, things went off at a, a bit of a tangent. Mm-hmm. I mean, my own feeling about it is I, I obviously knew that Anna was a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the first things that um, I was told about. And seamlessly. Yeah, sure. Um, let me try and think what, what, what I was saying. I was saying that the, um, I think, you know, one of the, the main reasons they brought in the, the, the Max backstory was so that, uh, you know, there would be added jeopardy to, mm. you know, the entire situation with Helen. And, you know, I know that uh, a lot of people were kind of amused and equally irritated by the idea of the Ambridge fairy suddenly dropping in this amazing, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, barrister who specialised in domestic violence. And mm-hmm. I, I think the idea that she would have just gone in and been brilliant from start to finish would not have been very interesting. And I, you know, obviously think they wanted to give a bit of a, a, a backstory, the fact that she, you know, was having a sort of terrible, wobbly, emotional life, but mm. could she still... Um, you know, continue to be a, a good professional. Um, and I think, I mean, I'd like to think it, it made it more interesting. I mean, people seem to take pleasure in taking bets on whether Max was a, a, a male or female. Um, it well, was a little something else to think about rather than the impending trial. 
Well, well, I must admit, it kind of tripped us up a little because um, I declared on this uh, globally renowned podcast that mm-hmm. follows uh, all things Ambridge that uh, Max w- was a geezer. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, quite a few people were absolutely convinced, and and it did make me laugh because I saw a few. Uh, tweets where people were going well I've gone back over it and I've listened to it and she definitely said him and I was here going I've never said him I have never used he uh, you know because obviously I had well, I'd said the word, so I knew that I hadn't. So it's very I, interesting. I, I and I parroted one of those self same tweets. So uh-huh. yeah. uh, well, so there we are. But not, there we isn't finished. it interesting? It's interesting what one wants to hear or what one thinks one hears, mm. um, and um, it's it's not always accurate. But uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I think some people probably might have got a little irritated about that as a kind of you know it was a sideline that was going on, but. Mm. As far as I was concerned, it was nice to have another story layer to play as well as just being, you know, Helen's barrister. So mm. who knows where that will that will lead. So give us a sense of how much of your kind of working month is taken up by, uh, you know, being Anna. Um, well, I mean, it obviously it varies. I mean, the way that we... Uh, we work is that we record episodes in blocks so um realistically if i was heavily featured in a block which will be a month's episodes um you'll be you know you're you're basically working two weeks on and three weeks off mm-hmm. so in those three weeks the script writers are all hard at work scratching away and then over a period of of two weeks uh the production leaps into action and we record them so, but obviously, depending on whether your storyline is is being featured or you have much to do, you might be in one episode in that block, none, or you know, half a dozen or a dozen. So, you know, you probably know the month before how many mm-hmm. you're going to be in, and uh, you just sort of cross your fingers and hope that um, you haven't been sent to Devon or where it is people <laughs> go to <laughs> be quiet. <laughs> so, so, so I suppose when you get like uh, the call or the email to say we need you up in Birmingham that's like the uh-huh. equivalent to an actor hearing that they need to go to LA or something I presume <laughs> why are you laughing well, the- it's my hometown <laughs> I'm very fond of Birmingham I-, I went to university in Birmingham so I spent three years ah. there um, uh, so I have a deep affection for Birmingham and you're absolutely right Roy Field it's just <laughs> like being summoned to LA <laughs> <laughs> What did you study? Um, drama and theatre arts um, at the university, uh-huh. which was uh, yeah we had uh, it was it was a good course. I had a brilliant time in in Birmingham. I mean, I have to say that probably these days students have to work a lot harder than we did. Mm. Um, but it was a it was a good course, and um, uh, Birmingham's a great place to be. And we had some interesting alumni and. Uh, uh, you know, we we uh, my department produced you know people as diverse and wonderful as Victoria Wood and Simon Le Bon, uh, to name a few that were my predecessors. But um, I, I had a great time. It was half academic and half practical, so you know you got to you got to have a good sort of understanding of of drama and you know 
theatre and playwriting and all that kind of thing. So, And you've never left the theatre completely behind, have you? Because um, you are a little bit of, of a producer and uh, don't you have a play that kind of you're cooking in your oven right now? Oh, I have a few, a few plays that are probably completely dried out in the <laughs> oven of my creativity. No, I've always... I mean, there have been times, it has to be said, and I... I probably think that most actors would if they were being honest would say that at some point in their career they've gone oh my god can I bear it any longer that's it I'm going to pack it in I'm going to do something else I'm going to do something completely normal where I don't have to deal with my own demons on a daily basis and and uh, you know rejection and all that kind of thing and um, I have thought about that but ultimately I'm a creative person and and I think if, as long as I can kind of be creating in some shape or form, I mean, I, I think that's absolutely essential for me, mm. and as I'm sure it is for most, you know, most creative people. But, you know, I've I've turned my hand, you know, I paint, I write. Um, uh, yeah, we I've produced a, a short film, you know, so I'm even if I'm not able to act and uh I, it has to be said, you know, these days it's it's quite hard to <laughs> carve out a career, particularly, you know, at my age. Um, so you have to kind of, you know, branch out. And I think as long as you're you're still producing something or creating something, then you can stay alive. So you, so, talk, you talked about the difficulty of being an actor of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Um, is that markedly different for female actors? Well, I know there's a big debate about this. I think it is very different for female actors. I think, you know, the 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 bottom line is that there are many more uh, men working in our industry, you know, whether that's TV, radio, theatre, whatever, and have been for centuries so uh, it is still very heavily male dominated and that includes you know writers producers directors um all that kind of thing and until that balance changes you know women will there will be less parts for for female actors um you know i think it's really important that that we encourage and we really get behind uh, women um, you know, breaking through that glass ceiling, which does still exist. I mean, working in television, I could probably only name you perhaps uh, half a dozen female TV directors that work consistently, mm. whereas, you know, there are endless guys that do it. And it's it's nothing to do with their ability. It's just there is still, um, you know, there is still difficulty. There are still barriers in that way. And I, And I think... I think, you know, so it's largely about kind of numbers and accessibility. I'm not saying that, you know, actresses in particular, as opposed to actors, are kind of, uh, you know, pushed out. There is just less work for them. There are less parts for them. Um, There is also that. I mean, I do believe that, that there is a difference when you kind of hit middle age. I think, you know, you can, it's not just in, in my um, you know my my work it's not just in my industry but it's men have a much greater longevity you know men it's acceptable for men to continue doing things uh, that women are kind of frowned upon for doing uh, at the same age you know they mm-hmm. can whether it's having children in their 70s or uh, you know uh, still being considered 
silver foxish and attractive um, and, you know, capable of earning a, a good wage, where I think there is a sort of invisibility um, that sort of sort of drifts over you. If you're not, I mean, fine, if you're in the front line all the time and you're, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I think there is a massive pressure on, on those women that are successful to keep their feet there and to keep looking good and all that kind of thing but I think if you I mean it's very difficult women have to necessarily if they have children take time out and then try and fight their way back in again um so I I don't I I don't think it's a myth I think it's a reality um and uh, I would love to see that that balance change how important is it uh for an actor who's in a committed relationship to have an understanding partner would you say so you can you know as you can maybe go in and out of the industry finding roles not the stresses and the strains etc I think it's absolutely essential I mean I know plenty of actors who are single Mm -hmm. and are doing very well for themselves and I'm sure that they you know some of them would like to have a partner that they could you know share that with the the successes and the (laughs) and the not so successful moments um you know i've been very fortunate and i can only really talk about my relationship but you know we're both actors and i think it's essential that you have someone who completely understands and and gets what you're trying to do i mean i'm not saying that you have to you know be in a relationship with another actor it's just as a shorthand there obviously Mm. um but you know quite often there are long periods of unemployment and there are long which you know can turn into long periods of uh, self-doubt um there's a lot of soul searching um if you're not somebody that is particularly keen on you know networking and all that kind of thing it's good to have someone behind you who's going come on put yourself forward for that mm. do that and also someone who's prepared for you to go listen i got that job i leave tomorrow and i'm away for 11 weeks um, you know, that takes a particular type of person to be cool about that. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I, I think... I can imagine that would be a problem if, you know, if every other week you've got to say, I'm off to Birmingham, the bright lights of Birmingham, you know, yeah. potentially the whole load of kind of, you know, jealousy could could, could be wrought into, <laughs> into a relationship. Exactly. Well, yes, I, I think that's right. Fortunately, I have a very understanding partner who um, obviously shares my love of Birmingham and um, understands that sometimes I just have to go there on my own. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of uh, to kind of kind of to end up, how much? Because it's very interesting what you said about your relationship with with Sean, and that's kind of helped you to get the role um, of Anna. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of you is is Anna? And I, and I kind of say this because of it's the direct kind of opposite to what you said about your relationship with, you know, the fact that you have a strong and kind of very, very understanding one and the fact that mm-hmm. um, Anna doesn't. But um, if I am and, uh, you know, I, again, I unscientifically just listen to this thing. And then I've just decided to produce this silly podcast for, t- for the last two and a half years. <laughs> but the, the characters that are in it the longest and the characters that are the most beloved seem to be the ones where, um, in effect, the writers after a time have written the character around that actor as opposed to the other way around. So um, how much of Anna is there in you and vice versa? Well, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think, and I do think that that is 
it's kind of unavoidable in any continuing drama. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that if you have long-standing characters who, uh, you know, you don't know <laughs> what they're doing from one month to the next because the, the story is always developing and, you know, they're interacting with other long-standing characters, then I think it's it's unavoidable that the the actor and the character are in some, in, you know, in, to some degree enormously uh, sort of tied in with each other. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, with Anna, I mean, obviously so far we've kind of only seen perhaps, you know, sort of two sides of her, which is one is the sort of, you know, the really dedicated professional um, uh, lawyer and the other side is the slightly flaky um, uh, uh, I mean, she's quite sort of she's a bit uptight at home, and you know mm -hmm. that relationship she has with her mum and all that kind of thing. She's, I think, you know, that makes it interesting that she's emotionally not as uh, in control as she is when she's at work. Um, I think personally, I am a much more well balanced human being. I don't have that kind of um, uh, flakiness that that Anna has, um, but a lot of it is kind of my interpretation of what I'm reading on the page. And, you know, one would like to think that as the story develops, there will be elements of me that perhaps the script writers pick up on and go, oh, yeah, 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 we could use that. Um, and I will obviously try and incorporate whatever they write about Anna into the way I deliver it and the way I speak. And, you know, I can't, I'm not playing a huge, you know, cameo character role. Um, and I say I, I, I would sort of say that, you know, you put your hat on when you go in there and do it. But that hat is perhaps a hat that you might wear out in your real life on occasion. Sure, surely you mean wig. <laughs> ah, well, obviously, obviously, uh, yes, my wig. Although I tend not to wear that when I'm jogging. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. There, there's, a, there's a little difference between you. I hate jogging. Anna <laughs> loves it. And she's really good at it. And um, but I, I don't. So there we are. There's a there's a difference in our characters. <laughs> Thank you, Isabel. You're very welcome, Roy Field. It's very nice to talk to you. Oh, she and half lovely, you know, Luce. Um, but <laughs> before we discuss Isabel Middleton and all of her loveliness, why don't we uh, see who's on those caller inner lines? Hello, Ambridge 3962. Who's first? We have Blythe Spirit. Mm-hmm. Hello, Dumpty Dump, Blythe Spirit calling. Well, I've just finished listening to Friday's episode, actually on Friday. Social media has gone completely bonkers. And everyone, everyone is loving Emma right now. Finally, someone has stood up to that man and told him publicly what they think of him. And it's just fan-flipping-tastic. Totally loving it. My reaction was this. And I could go on for 10 minutes, but I'd end up hurting my hands. Such a wonderful contrast to the mealy-mouthed devil's advocacy and ridiculously unfeasible conversations that have been going on recently. Witness Usha and Alan. I mean, who can defend the man? No one can. No one should be. End of period. So, Emma, sisters are doing it for themselves. Totally loving you. 
that's it. Cheers now. Bye. Cheerleading for Emma. Was there anybody in the country that did, I mean, that listens, obviously, that did not go woohoo when Emma let rip? No. There was no, there was nothing negative on the Twitters that I could see anywhere. It was just people going, thank God someone said it. To be fair, the Twitters isn't the UK. But but yes, I think fundamentally you're, you're correct. Uh, nobody on planet Earth, let alone the UK or even Middle England, had anything but other than a positive thumbs upiness for that because tirade. I think, I think we were all thinking to a certain extent, you know, at what point is someone going to say to Rob, mm. you know, we all hate you now, don't you? Because he seemed blissfully unaware, strolling around, you know, oh, Emma, will you do me a favour? You know. Uh, Jazza didn't say anything. He just went, all right, okay, I'll leave you to it. And just kept leaving all the time. Every Mm. time Rob appeared, Jazza sort of disappeared off. Um, You know, and uh, I was thinking, is anyone going to actually, I mean, what happens when he turns up at the pub? What happens when he goes to the cricket? You know, is anyone actually going to say to him, you know, you are not welcome here. And Emma just did it. She just absolutely laid into him. And I thought he was such a shit to try and... um, uh, you know, ent- well, entirely predictably, um, <clears throat> to try and get her to to go and give cards to um, mm. to I Henry. Thought, I, I mean, I that th- was outrageous. No, I, it was, but I thought it was a great scene and really well played. Yeah, because she she did have a slight wobble. She did think, yeah, oh, she, she, she felt awkward. Yeah, she, she felt incredibly felt, awkward. She felt sorry for poor little Henry. Yeah, and then uh, Rob didn't even realise that she had a slight emotional wobble because, you know, he is this sociopath and he do- he's not at all empathetic and he just went completely over the top and to rip yeah. the thing up, yeah. you know. Um, if... Well, it just shows what a sulky little burk he is, doesn't it? Just absolutely, kind of... absolutely, absolutely. Actually, child. But yes, I just loved that whole episode and... I think it was great that it was Emma who's the first person actually to stand up to yeah. Rob, absolutely stand up and say no. Yeah. And 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 then um, yes, I know I've, I've made a real habit of doing this the last few shows, but you know I don't know if you've actually heard Sunday's episode, but we do get the cricket scene. We do get that. So and Excellent. that is just oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yep. yep. Um, suffice to say. Uh, the pitchforks, cricket bats, cricket stumps, all been wielded, and um, yes, he's been drummed out of at least the social part of the village. With a spoon! Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. I had promised myself no mention of Rob this week, but oh, how sweet it was to listen to Friday's episode. My sometimes not favorite characters, Emma and Jazzer, stepped up to the plate and delivered. Emma was the real star, and I guess Jazzer and the men of the village listened to my admonition last week. They backed up their better halves and finally directly confronted Rob. Will it be enough for Rob to slink away for good? I'm not sure. Okay, main topic today. In follow-up to Lucy and Royfield's interesting conversation last week. 
Ian. Specifically, why did Ian appear so much more upset with the information that he already had known for quite some time of Adam's infidelities? Well, Denial is a bloody good defense mechanism and helps a person effectively function through some stressful realities. Despite its bad reputation, example, you're in denial. This defense is commonly used in a healthy manner. And I think it has served Ian and the marriage well if Adam were to continue to keep his impulses in check. Unfortunately, Ian's denial was overwhelmed by his public mortification and he is finally unleashing his long tamped down anger at Adam. As the magazine columns ask, can this marriage be saved? I think so, as plenty do survive such crises and improve, just ask Jenny and Brian. And I'll even go out on a limb and predict that it will. Though I do strongly recommend couples therapy. Why do the residents of Ambridge treat that as being subjected to an alien abduction and probe? In their discussion last week, Lucy and Royfield also touched upon Kirsty. It dawned on me that she had suffered a similar public mortification at the hands of an archer's cousin. So something else ties Ian and Kirsty besides being Helen's two besties. As we know, Kirsty had to leave the land of the archers for a good while and has only just forgiven Tom. Will she have advice for Ian? I really wanted to talk about those fair brethren boys, but time is short. Just to say that Rex finally knows what we have known. Toby broke the bro code in a big way and was not mature enough to face up to the consequences. He even lied to Rex about Pip being a predatory female. Shades of Donald Trump. Dumpty Dummers have had excellent Twitter exchanges about all this during this past week. Okay, got to go and see how our kitchen renovation is progressing. Life in the big city. Talk to you next week. Yes, Ralph, Emma, and Jazza and David. I love that. Jazza, you could just tell Jazza was itching to have a bash at someone, wasn't he? He's for months. <laughs> he hasn't. He hasn't exercised any any and his you know his thumping arm for a long time. And if anyone deserved it, it was uh, it was uh, titching up. And I think Jazza was remarkably restrained. Really, for a furious drunk Glaswegian, he was excellent. And he just, and Rob's going, get off it. And he said, you can't do this to me. We can, pal, because we're stronger than you. And it was just great. Mm. I love pal. If I could do it, if I could do that accent and do pal, I would. It'd be great. I think, um, you know, we talked about Bert being a proxy for just remembering that there's a wider village. Yes. And him being this kind of filler character who his storylines don't, he doesn't really have any storylines per se. Actually, um jazza is also a bert isn't he yeah he's there to show uh the village in inverted commas because you know he in and of himself isn't actually going to drive any particular storyline but no uh it was absolutely brilliant and it's actually kind of quite clever for him to have an interaction with rob kind of earlier on kind of beforehand and he yeah he beats a, a bit of a hasty retreat then and then kind of comes back kind of later I thought Kenton was quite interesting in that because Kenton's kind of saying, whoa, mate, whoa, you know, that's my family you're talking about. You can't say that mm. when he says, I, he says to, to Rob, right, that's enough because Rob's saying, oh, I'll drink as I hate everybody. Oh. Um, I thought it must be hellishly difficult to be a publican in a small village where there's something like that has happened and you know it's your family and you don't want to start bar you have to make sure that you're barring people for the right reasons not just because you don't happen to like them personally you know it's it's he's he was in a very 
somebody said on Twitter, well, Jolene would have would have would have barred him the second it happened. You know, as soon as the court case came out, she'd have just gone right. He's never coming back in here again. Uh, and Kenton is a bit lily livered in that sort of way, I suppose. But uh, mm-hmm. I just thought it was it was it was in this sort of the 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 the, the confusion for Kenton over what what quite to do with him. All that kind of mate, mate, all right, mate, that's enough. No, that's mm. enough, you know. I've thought for some time, I don't understand why somebody doesn't kind of just, not necessarily lamp him in the middle of, you know, some quiet country lane outside of Ambridge, but at least, you know, give him a bit of the verbals. Mm. Because half the village is related to Helen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the most that's happened is that Usha's asked him to leave, but she asked him very mm. nicely, and she didn't even say, "I'm asking you to leave because you're an arsehole." She she asked him to leave because she wanted. She just said, "I want my house back." Mm. You know, so even then, he just sort of was able to say, "Oh well, no, this it's fair enough. She wants her house back. It's fine. It's clearly nothing personal, sort of thing." Mm. The, the the only other thing that has really kind of surprised me about all of this, and but I think that though it's been somewhat long overdue. We are getting the the reactions that we all thought would have happened some time ago. The reactions from the village was that Rob managed to keep his frustration and his anger together through the trial, but it's subsequent. Is all the yeah. things would happen subsequently where he actually he's not been able to cope, and we all thought that under cross examination by a yeah. woman he wouldn't be able to cope. Yeah. You know, so that for yeah. me is a little bit of a, of a of a surprise. Yeah, but he's lost. That's what it is. He's you know a child who's a nasty but, child but can he, pretend but, to be. But good. he doesn't realise that he's lost though, because no, why he just would he... she's cheated to win? Exactly, she? because he's walking around the village and he has yeah. no idea of the reaction no. uh, that he's going to get and the real feelings that people have for him. He doesn't comprehend that. He's, uh, that his wife has got away with, in effect, attempted murder because he was consistently raping and abu- mm. abusing her. He, he has no comprehension of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's well, it's just it. He can't cat. This isn't this isn't sustainable for his personality. This is not sustainable. So there will be another dramatic thing. Mm. Whether we'll be that able to, to get. Be. Whether he'll whether he'll be able to keep a lid on it and then sort of burst like some horrible volcano at Christmas, I don't know. Um, well, the rate things seem to be spiralling. You you would think it can't even last until Christmas unless he's going to mm, become a no. hermit somewhere. You know, he's got what a month to leave Blossom Hill. Yeah, yeah. So you know, where, where is he going? Yeah, and you would have thought that he could have gone to Number One, the Green, but after almost you know lamping emma will's not going to put up with that is it no no so we can't go there so it is edgley here we come or darrington but that means will is going to be working with him doesn't it well again the way things are spiraling so fast you'd think that justin elliott um is going to have to rescind that job offer yeah yeah you know because for the Maybe that job offer was put there for the purposes of uh, giving him a reason to stay around in Ambridge. I know he's got Giddy Jack, but if we put Giddy Jack to one side, um, because it would make no sense that somebody whose name is going to be as black or as tarnished as, as Rob's, you'd want him to be your 
manager of anything in such a, an enclosed community because of the negative PR. Yes, when you've tried to beat up the wife of your main tractor driver and things like that, yes. Exactly, no. so, yeah. But hey, hum. Anyway, Witherspoon says, why does everybody in Ambridge think that couples therapy is like an alien probe? <laughs> Which I thought was very good. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I know. Well, it, but it's that kind of, you know... I suppose just because Adam's gay, we shouldn't assume that he's like, as as New York Nigel says later on, just because uh, Adam's gay, we shouldn't assume that he's any more sensitive or, you know, in touch with him, with 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 emotions than than anyone else, really. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they all react with therapy. They all react with fear as if it's terrible. But he made a very good point about Ian and Kirsty are actually now in the same boat. They've both been sort of betrayed by an archer. They've both had public humiliations um but they we we never seem to see them in the same scene i suppose because they serve different purposes for helen Mm. so they're never together are they very true they'd be unstoppable those two they'd be great like batman (laughs) and robin fantastic claire from clapham now hi dumpty dum it's claire from clapham here what a brilliant week in ambridge a complete return to some real classic ambridge stuff uh i was going to ring in earlier in the week actually just to celebrate the brilliance of the scenes with susan in the shop and talking to jill about having accidentally won the prize at the show i just thought that was classic susan i love a bit of classic susan as you know she's a character i love to hate um I just think she's so clever, just so cleverly portrayed. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I did feel a bit bad for Jill because I think just the way she was made to feel like it was all her fault uh, by everyone. Uh, and I was glad to see that she was able to kind of make up and, and laugh about it afterwards. That was good. Really chuffed with how Ed refused to be the token peasant for Alice. And why is Alice turning into some pseudo-Kate? I don't get that at all. She's always been the sense of one in the family, and now she's turning into a bit of a, I don't know, privileged so um, I'm hoping that Alice reigns it back in quite quickly. And and then, uh, of course, uh, Emma was great midweek, talking to Helen, making her peace and being really open and honest about how she felt when her mum went to prison. I thought that was really nicely done. Really good touch. Um, so Emma was already in my good books this week before Friday's amazing performance, which I'm sure everyone was cheering. Just fantastic. Not just uh, at the pub, but of course at the cafe as well, where it was just her and Rob, and she just stared him down and said no, and good for her. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, and I'm vaguely on the subject of Rob and Bridge Farm. Is he still getting paid sick pay there? Like, no one said that they've like dismissed him or something. Surely they must get around to doing that, especially when he's about to start a job for Justin, um, although I'm still hoping that's going to fall through. I wish they would tell us that that's officially happened. And why is there still a joint account? Surely Helen will have cleared out as much money as possible somewhere else and not use that account anymore. Close down the joint account, sack Rob, stop paying him sick pay especially now he's not looking after henry they've got no right they no no reason to give him any money at all well done everyone and especially well done emma extra medal for you i hope and i'm hoping to see emma grandia some kind of cbe come the uh, new year's honors you are right claire classic ambridge this week chutney mix up where you know chutney mix up a punch up in the ball uh the boss at your echo getting things wrong um yes fabulous ace 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 um 
yes, I don't know. There's a lot of loose ends about Robert Bridge Farm. Uh, like, as you said, um, is he still getting sick pay? He can't be. Why is there still a joint account? I think my understanding is, and I'm not sure if this is right or not, but when there's a criminal case like that, then the assets get frozen, the accounts get frozen. But I don't know when they get unfrozen or what's left. I mean, I wouldn't imagine, actually, that uh, Rob gave Helen any access to any money. Because if he wouldn't even let her drive, he's certainly not going to give her a card and a pin and everything out. He's going to take over the control of the accounts, isn't he? You'd have thought so. I can't really see him going, here you are, darling. Unless he like gives her housekeeping. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that was a good laugh. Well done. <laughs> ah, talking of good laughs, we've got ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-bye Steve now. <laughs> Hello, don't you don't. It's Steve here. I hope you're all well. Um, I've really enjoyed this week. Brilliant. The writing has been so good. And what's been good about it is that there's been lots of storylines, lots of characters. Uh, it's just been fantastic. A few things. Isn't Rex wet? He's just awful. He's just... He's the bloke, the sad bloke, who... With every woman he wants to have a relationship with, they say to him, um, I like you as a friend. You know, I don't want to go out with you, but I like you as a friend. I know, it's, I know I feel, you should feel sorry for him, but, you know, give me Toby any day. At least he's got a bit of gumption and a bit of, a bit of fun about him. Uh, Alice, oh, gosh, she's awful. Where do I start with bloody Alice? Where do I start with Alice and Kate, to be honest? I mean, Kate's as flaky as a leper with eczema, and Alice is just... A awful, awful snob. She's vile. But I really enjoyed that sort of scene with her and uh, Ed. Uh, now on Friday's episode, Friday's episode was fantastic. It was just great. And I'm just wondering where Rob's going to go from here. You know, Rob's either going to be run out of town or he's going to go totally, totally mad and do something stupid. I think now they're going to incorporate the storyline quite well because this this week's been very bitty. You've had a lot of characters in, but we've still got the Robin Helen thing in the background. So it's been a great week on the Archers, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Have a nice week. Um, I love you all. You know I do. Want to give a big hug around you all and go mwah. Anyway, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye. Love you. Bye bye, bye bye, bye bye. Mwah. Bye bye, bye bye. He also says. A, a classic Ambridge week. Rex is wet. But wait, he can't go around bashing Toby in the face. Basically, you know, they both fancied the same woman. One of them got her and the other one didn't. That's it really, isn't it? I mean, he can't No, go... it's, it's not just that. It's the fact that his confidence was completely and utterly yeah. uh, betrayed and his feelings trampled on. It's not just, oh, the best man got her so to My speak God, i'm not saying the best man won but by the way have you changed your opinion on our bet which we never made for, for no for think things? about exactly what the bet was the bet was that not that it will last but that uh toby has genuine feelings for pip so and when yes he, he does he is uh, he's got a he needs to develop a bit of a backbone and he shouldn't have said what he said and he said it to get out of a tight spot. But does he have genuine feelings for it? Absolutely. He has... Is that what you'd say about someone you had 
He's listen. I didn't say he was a nice guy. I didn't say he was a nice guy, Lucy. I think we need to establish what genuine feelings. I mean, feeling cold is a genuine feeling, but it doesn't. You know, it's, there's no nobility. <laughs> yeah, in but it. in terms of somebody says genuine feeling towards an, a fellow human being, it's warm feelings. Come on. So, is he a nice guy? Didn't say that he was. Is he a bit of a shit? Absolutely agree. But he has publicly declared his affection for Pip and publicly is snogging it all over the place. He, in terms of Toby, he has real, genuine, warm affection for that archer. Will it last? I don't know. I won won the bet and I'm still winning the bet. (laughs) Word. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Being as you've managed to keep me entertained all afternoon between you and the AA and the RAC, while somebody's sitting in a in a lay-by off Kidderminster wondering where the hell all the drivers are, I'll forgive you. Is that an opportune time for us to mention the nonsense that's gone on? Yes, go on then. Well, Laura HT found herself uh, in a Sainsbury's car park. I don't know if it's in Kidderminster, but a Sainsbury's car park in the United Kingdom somewhere all broken down with her hubby and only had dumpy dum to keep her company until um, a rescue man kind of came out to kind of get her all sorted. Oh, you poor thing. Mm. <laughs> no, no, no. But... Bad enough. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> suffice to say that the AA help, because I said, oh, is the AA man on his way, uh, kind of pinged up and said, hi. Um, so I decided to have a little bit of fun this afternoon uh, between the AA, Green Flag and uh, the RAC and basically just say, well, hmm, which service is the best? Now, Lucy, very unscientific. I asked questions like, how many patrolmen do you have? Which has the nicest telephone operators? And then the, the clincher was... Were things, name... were things a bit slack at, at Royfield's? In Royfield Land this afternoon, if you had time to do this. Lucy, it's all part of our social media strategy. (laughs) (laughs) You're amazing. How long have we had a strategy? Well, (laughs) uh, since since the start of this whole kitten caboodle, Lucy. did stuff and then afterwards said, well, "Well, that's quite good. Let's do more of that stuff. Well, that's really how this strategy developed. Uh, I was just doing stuff. And then one thing led on to another. But the the clinching question was um, name a character from the Archers. And the AA, who answered every tweet the fastest, said Kenton, question mark. So they are... If you only knew one person, why would you know Kenton? Well, I reckon they probably just Googled it. But it doesn't really matter. They answered the quickest. Then Green Flag said Peggy... Still waiting for the RAC. Now, if that's <laughs> any kind of metaphor onto the speed of their service, folks, don't use the RAC. It's the AA all the way. From here on in, the dum de dum road rescue service, which we can endorse for 2016. It's the Archers. So it's the Archers Automobile Association. I like that. Holy cow, you're a clever woman. Uh, ring them up, see if they'll sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they've got a bubble too, haven't they? They have. Ooh, okay. I pay them enough. Well, and, and as I say, dum de dum listener, if you're in the UK and you're thinking, oh, I need some uh, roadside recovery service breakdown cover, 
Um, the the Archers Automobile Association is the one for you. Yeah. Yes. Next call. Uh, Debs from Germany. Highly irritated by sanctimonious Adam. Well, he is living in a box of crisps. I mean, you have to forgive him, <laughs> really. But I don't think he's being that sanctimonious. He's just being hes just being a martyr. He's just sitting there going, oh, no, it's all right. I don't mind. quite like living in the crisps. <laughs> you know, I deserve it. I'm shit. <laughs> um, no, his lovely family isn't helping at all. They're all saying, you stupid boy. What did you do that for? Which, is, which isn't helping at all. Even Brian, ironically. Um, I don't think he's being sanctimonious. I think, it, yeah, he just... He's just given up slightly too easily, really, because he can't really see how to get things back because he's just a bit inept. I think, yeah, I think inept rather than sanctimonious. Mm. He's always been by far the one with the least amount of emotional intelligence when it comes yeah. to him and Ian. And yeah, he's playing his character um, in spades here that, you know, he he's wallowing a bit of self-pity um, you know, well, uh, me, I'd be, I'd be round there to Ian. I, I'd be round yeah. there, you know, saying yeah. what needs to be said. Box chocolates, bunch of flowers, whatever. Yeah. Him doing quizzes with uh, with <laughs> Joe and, uh, and whoever the heck it was. You know, he's not helping him get back with his husband now, is it? Well, he's like a dog who's pooed in the corner. You know, he's just sort of slinking around, trying not to look at it, isn't he? Go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know. Uh, and he just needs to, yes, go and front it out. I mean, everyone knows. There's no point hiding. Everyone knows exactly what he did and with whom and when. It's interesting. Number one, that he used that expression to front it out. That's the Walthamstow in you coming out, isn't it? But In it do, yeah. Yeah. But apart from that, do you believe, you know, anything like this, you just confront the issue straight up? No, I think it's depending what your. I think human nature is to just pretend it didn't happen and to mm. just hide because you feel so guilty and so appalling. But if he's that, if he actually is committed to getting things back on track again, you need, like you said, you need to actually be in the same, you know, hundred meters of the person you're trying to talk to, rather than just kind of giving up very, very quickly. And that's what it seems to me that he's done. I don't think necessarily that he's given up, but it's just his lack of action is somewhat puzzling considering he is a, he's truly cut up mm. and we haven't yeah. had any talk. But, you know, of... is he? Is he ever thinking, I was right, I should have stayed with Charlie, this was never well, that's where I was about to go with this. Uh. Because we haven't had any talk, not even a slight aside of, of Charlie Boy. So no. I, I'm guessing that right here and now he's genuinely, genuinely cut up. However, yeah, he's a bit of a burk and he should be uh, round there to at least apologise to his hubby yeah. and to show massive dollops of contrition. And he's not. Yeah. He is backed in like a massive dollop, in fact. Mm-hmm. Vicky Cole in Kenya. Woohoo, we go. Hi Dumpty Dum, Lucy, Royfield, everybody. Vicky calling Kenya here. I haven't called in for a while. I've just been so irritated by the archers lately. Um, ever since that ridiculous jury episode, 
Um, well, I have a list of things that have been irritating me. Alan and Usha's conversation, he says he's had to deal with pastoral support of the whole village. Really? Would people really be going to Alan? Adam and Ian. Ian's known all the problems for a long time. Why now? Why is Adam now in the bull among the barstools and the crisp packets? It's stupid. And Alice, what's happened to her? She's turned into a braying party idiot. She didn't used to be, and she's being so complacent about everything, so I think that's setting up for an affair. But it can't be Chris, because he's disappeared, so it'll have to be her. Ugh. The flour and produce was no light relief. I mean, the ridiculous jam and chutney thing with Jill and Carol. Oh, I don't care. Ugh. Pip and Toby, well, words fail me. I just hope Pip will dump him now she realises how he treated Rex. It's just boring and horrible and irritating. Oliver and the Grundies, it's just unrealistic. Why did David suddenly give Josh £400? I mean, it's just all so stupid. We've been having a bit of a tough time at the moment and I really didn't want to be brought to the point where I'd contemplate giving up on the archers. I'm such an addict. But I would never give up on Dumpty Dum. I mean, I have to say thank you. Your shows have been a little ray of sunshine and always make me smile and, and I really thank you for that. And then Friday's episode. I've just listened to it again and I forgive them everything. I mean, that was just brilliant. Hurrah for Emma. I think she was quite lucky David and Jazza were there to weigh in. Not sure where Kenton was, but anyway. And I just hope she will be safe from Rob. But really now this is the beginning of Rob getting his comeuppance. So thank you, Archers. That's better. Bye. Bye. Oh, Vicky, I'm very sorry you're having a tough time. And I tried to find contact details for you today because I was going to get in touch and see if you were okay. Um, But I couldn't find them. (coughs) That's helpful. But yes, the chutney thing was quite cheering, I felt. Um, she says, why is Ian being like this now? I I, th- I th- Yeah, I think it is everything we said before. I think it is he's been exposed in a, in a really, really embarrassing, mortifying way. It's a bit like Witherspoon said as well, that, uh, you know, he's been let down publicly by an archer again who operate like the mafia and kind of you know own the village that you can't take more than a step it's you know without without bumping into somebody that's related to the family it's this huge sort of network and you've been publicly rejected by them and that's you know that's 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 hideous it's 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 the public side of it and um new york nigel has something very interesting to say about that so let's do that now It's New York Nigel here, thinking of you all in a wet and windy autumnal city here. Three little things, given the fact that I'm a gay vicar, two of the topics probably a bit predictable. Anyway, firstly, why should either Alan or Usher know more about the horror of Rob's abuse than anyone else? Maybe Usha, it's her house and the place where she lived herself, so she's going to feel a bit more touched by what happened there than her husband was, but Alan's only the vicar. He's not clairvoyant. Uh, It's sort of touching that everyone seems to think that he's going to know more about what happened there than anyone else, but vicars know only what they're told, frankly. Helen wasn't a churchgoer, and neither was Rob. Why would the vicar know more than anyone else in that case? Uh, I think it says a lot about England and the Church of England that the staff of the bull know more about Rob than the vicar does. 
And what is Alan's role in the vicarage after all? There's a vicar myself. I'm tired of him being dragged out for a dunking once a year and then not really having much of a story of his own. And number two, about the Adam and Ian story. Why should Ian always be a sort of sensitive gay person who understands counselling? Well, you know, we probably all thought better of him because the scriptwriters until now have portrayed him as a sensitive guy and sort of understanding about anything, the voice of reason. So his reaction to the public exposure of his husband's infidelity, which actually he knew about all along, has taken us by surprise. I'm going out on a limb here, but I think that gay people are more hurt by public exposure of their relationships than straight people might be, especially in a small village like Ambridge, because we still sense the pain of being outed. We're just like any other relationship, and the plot masters of the archers haven't yet given us the benefit of being normal and a bit boring, actually. We've gone from being invisible chef at Grey Gables to being serial uh, serial adulterers like Brian Aldridge in just a few years. We're just getting used to be represented in the media, let alone being exposed as having relationships that just like anyone else's. I'm sorry for them both, actually, and particularly sorry that the first gay marriage in Ambridge has been slaughtered on the altar of the Helen and Rob story, but that's just part of the course, isn't it? Just got to suck it up. Lastly, I wonder if anybody in the ball was thinking about Rob's colostomy bag when they were manhandling him out of the bar. Sounded pretty physical to me, not the sort of thing that people dealing with a knifing victim would have done without fear of being sued. Perhaps that's the next horrible permutation of the story. Maybe the bag ruptured in the ruckus. Anyway, love the archers this week, and I'd be happy with anyone's chutney at this point, whether it was labelled properly or not, and especially with a slice of Lucy's cheese on one of Martha Woodford's Bath Olivers. Bye for now. New York, Nigel. Lots of very good points. I wasn't saying that Alan Anusha should know anything more about Rob's abuse than anyone else, but surely they knew about the rape because everybody did because so many people were in um, court. It wasn't private and people would relay that information because it was so shocking as soon as they got back to the village again. There's no way Alan would not know what everyone else was talking about. In addition, one of the people that represented um Helen I believe was in Usha's solicitor firm she said I have to be careful what I I I I've had to avoid Dominic or I've had to not talk to Dominic or something like that um so she would definitely know um yes I agree why would why 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 should uh Adam and Ian be be sensitive and, and want to go to counselling when maybe they're just chucking, you know, chucking bottles of wine at each other like like a straight couple would. I don't mm. know. I, I suppose, yeah, and I suppose this is our kind of straight prejudice in the yeah. fact that we think that they must be a much more sensitive and empathic yes. kind of couple yeah. than than us. Yeah. 
So I'll completely hold up my hand to straight privilege and to yeah. a straight way of think, thinking about this. But what I would say, though, is that the way that um, Ian has been written for the last 15 years, I think he's, he's meaning it for about 15 years, is that he was the moral conscience of the village, of of the writers. And he was, you know, and, and, and Kirsty plays a similar role as well. But she's a little bit more kind of feisty with it. Whereas he was always kind of the uh, you know wise sage, so to speak. So mm. uh, with that in mind, you do you do just think, well, mm, he would be the person who would uh, want to talk about things and to go into couples therapy. But he's understandably angry. Mm. It, it, it might have come a little bit late, but he is angry. And as you said, it's the, it was the public shaming that yeah. uh, has kind of pushed him to this, and he's just he's he wallowing in his anger, and it's understandable understandable for him to to wallow in it for a little while longer i suppose um and yes uh, uh in ray the colostomy bag what's it something that i had to have a chat with my friend phil about this this morning and i said what if you if you have a colostomy bag why would rob even be going to the loo if he had a colostomy bag and phil said maybe he was emptying it which was a bit disturbing hmm well, but I don't know enough about them. Thank goodness I'm tapping wood here that I, I don't know enough <laughs> about them. You mean that you never get to have to wear one? No, or have anything that come into close contact with them. Hmm. But, yes. Well, maybe, yeah, as, as Newt Nigel says, maybe that is going to be the beginning of Rob's demise. He gets an infected colostomy back through Jazza and David beating him up. They didn't beat him up, they did they? They just sort of strong-armed about the pub really hmm. sadly yes and from colostomy bags to chutney amy gilbert hello it's a rather fed up amy gilbert here but i'm very glad to say that the latest dumpty dum is making me laugh uproariously so thank you rofield and lucy lucy in particular uh, your monologues are always a treat anyway forget tuna bake and custard it's all about chutney gate now ladies and gentlemen Honestly, um, I think the whole nation rejoiced with Jill, or chorused with Jill, sorry, should I say, sorry, my brain isn't in the right mind, uh, when she said, Toby, at the end of Sunday night's episode. I think we were all wanting to do that, and I'd had quite enough of Pip and Toby making out, as she put it. So um, I really hope that Pip and Toby end again very soon, because quite frankly, I've had enough of them. But anyway, back to the chutney. I don't know what else to say about Chutney. I don't like it, personally. I think it's disgusting. Anyway, I'm going to leave you now and carry on sipping my lem sip and enjoying the, the greatness that is Dumpty Dum. Anyway, bye-bye. Yes, I also like... She said she liked Jill going, Toby! Yes. What was... I did actually feel slightly sorry for Toby because it was... I mean, Rex could very easily have made that mistake. Anybody. Pip could have very easily made that mistake. It was quite interesting the way Pip leapt to Toby's defence and pretended it was her that had put the uh, the chutney in the wrong place and muddled it up with um, Carol Toboggans and all that. Um, I thought of, sort of thought, mm, I can see that. Car- You'll say that I'm just paranoid about it, but I could see that kind of, uh, the exactly what you didn't want to happen with Pip happening, i.e. the slight appropriation of, you know, of Toby, of wanting to be overly protective of him and putting him in a good light rather than just... Because with someone like Toby, they're so 
kind of amoral you just have to kind of leave them alone you just you can't you can't start taking sides because um that's only going to end badly for you because you don't know what rules they're playing by you can just be there and say yeah well you know he does what he wants and that's fine by me but you don't start kind of you know making excuses for him and trying to create a moral framework for him that he doesn't have Mm, I slightly disagree with you there and I think because we're talking about the same program that has a character like Rob Titchener. We've got to be careful calling Toby amoral. What Toby is, is a corner cutter. And he wants the path of least resistance for anything. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, okay. he actually does have a, a, a moral compass. But, you know, uh, it, it, it's not writ large on, on his sleeve. But, yeah, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. But we just have to be slight, slightly careful here. He's not a sociopath. But what he is, is a little bit of a chancer and a little bit of a wide boy. Next call. Hello. My name's Anna Lisa Cosma. I live in Port Perry, Ontario. Um, I'm a first-time caller in Ira. Uh, I've been listening to Dum Dee Dum for a few months, and uh, I love it so much. Uh, my husband uh, groans when he hears the Archers theme tune, but uh, he actually doesn't mind Dum Dee Dum, especially when we're driving up to the cottage. Uh, though the first time he said uh, he was amazed that the storylines were so racy. I, I think that was the condom machine in the bull episode. Uh, also the one where he asked, uh, what the heck is Elf World? Uh, I've been listening to the Archers on and off uh, since Lizzie worked at the Borchester Echo. And I was working on a local paper myself. And I remember the wonderful Mrs. Antropus and her girls. But the first character I remember actually entering the village is Ruth. So uh, I suppose that makes me a Ruth although uh, I'd rather be uh, a Mrs. Antropus. What I really wanted to say this time, though, was how much I just loved hearing Helen rejoice in the simple, everyday details of being at home at Bridge Farm, how she exclaimed over the cups and the saucers and the post and the bits of baler twine. And it reminded me of what I really love, I think, most about the Archers, the way it celebrates everyday life and how reassuring that is. And I adore mentions of the flowers that are coming up, especially being so far away from England now. And uh, my ears perked up the other week uh, when Royfield and, and Lucy, you talked about the Snowdrop Festival. And, you know, I would come for that. Anyway, I'll try and call again soon. Love your podcast and love all the people who call in from around the world. Annalisa Cosma in Ontario. I'm very glad your husband doesn't mind Dumpty Dum. But please reassure him that the storylines on The Archers are not as racy as we make them sound. <laughs> Can I just say before you, you launch in mm-hmm. to your uh, kind of dissection of a wondrous call. Um, if you, dear listener, are a listener of Dum Dum, but you don't listen to The Archers, uh, please tweet, email or call in. Uh, next week because I actually know that this is not such a rare phenomenon and I know that lots of people have partners that listen to the archers kind of vicariously but actually do devour a little bit of dum-de-dum but if you are actually somebody says you know what I just like this but I actually don't listen to the archers um just let us know because I'd just like to quite know that'd be cool right over to you back to your answer on her uh question on her call there you go (laughs) 
um, she wants to come to the to the Snowdrop Festival. So whoever did the Snowdrop Festival, I can't remember who it was. Um, no, that's gone. Um, uh-huh. uh, I've now got to the overwrite stage of my brain where every new thing, it just replaced. I've got a, a Christine on, on the mind. It was a Christine. Yeah, so have I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christine, Christine from Shaftesbury. Christine something. Um, anyway, uh, yes, then get in touch because um, Annalisa Cosmo from Ontario wants to come to your Snowdrop Festival. Um Yes, you're the same vintage as me then, uh, Elizabeth Ruth joining the village. Yep. Uh, which probably makes us an, oh, no. Anyway, Helen, <laughs> she says she loves hearing Helen reveling in the joy of the everyday. Yes, it is lovely. I could have done without the stupid singing in the car with her and Kirsty. Why do they always think that women have to sing, girls just want to have fun? That was 30 years ago. We're not still singing it. Crying out loud. Anyway, um, that was quite irritating but it is very nice to just hear her getting on with stuff just doing things driving and you know sort of just lifting her head up and being able to just have a life again just lovely really really nice and yeah excellent awesome paul room hello you two i just wanted to say that i agree with cosmo i think that kirsty is pregnant because the week before last in the scene where uh, she was talking with Helen, cooing over baby Jack. Uh, and Helen said that Kirsty was talking about Jack as if he was a, um, a dog, saying who's a clever boy then. Uh, Kirsty said, I've got a lot to learn with babies. And that raised immediate alarm bells that Kirsty is pregnant or is complete red herring put in by the scriptwriters. And that's the sort of thing I like with the archers when these little throwaway lines are put in and make you think, hmm, what's going on there? The other thing on Friday's episode when Jazza and David threw Rob out of the pub after the confrontation with Emma, there was so much snorting and bellowing going on that I thought that Otto was reincarnated and had just come out of the gents after buying a pack of three if Toby had left any uh, in the machine. Uh, it was most amazing noises going on there. Very enjoyable. Kirsty is not pregnant. Not, not, not. Or if she does, she doesn't know she is. So all that... Oh, I've got a lot to learn about babies. No, 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 no. Um, I did like the comment about Otto being loose, all the grunting. David and Jazza trying to heave Rob over the threshold. Uh, <laughs> yes, she's not pregnant, is she, Roy? Reassure me that she's not pregnant. Um, I don't know. And it's in the lap of the gods, the script writing gods, because you could say that Mr. Room is reading too much into, in, into every line. And I'd say that... Um, some 80 to 85 percent of every line in in the archers is written with some some true meaning uh but however this could go one 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 or two ways and i have no bloody idea however as i said last week in terms of the plotting of the whole thing it would make a whole load of sense because we need tension and we need a reason for tom and kirsty to come back uh together a third time and this would be you know the deal clincher wouldn't it you know? yeah yeah so it makes sense from a long-term kind of plotting view point of view however you you told me quite masterfully and somebody else did also on the twitters that a sensible modern woman like her wouldn't be caught short yeah. in the contraceptive department so yeah. you know i don't know lucy all i do <laughs> is i co-host and produce his podcast i have no idea <laughs> 
Auntie Jean. Hello, Auntie Jean here. First of all, I'd like to say a very, very big thank you to all those people that signed the position. As some of you know, my husband has a rare form of lymphoma and the government are trying to stop funding stem cell transplants in order to fund other drugs with other diseases. Um, we've set up a petition. If anybody hasn't signed, we've got to 10,000, but we've got to try and get to 100,000. So if you could sign, that would be great. It's www.leukemiacare.org.uk slash news slash cancer dash lottery. Thank you. Now, on to the art shares, which is much more important, obviously. I'm having a shit of the week award from now on. Josh had it the other week. This week is going to Toby Fairweather for obvious reasons. Closely followed by Alice. Rob is out of the running because he's worse than shit of the week, so he, he's not qualified. Toby not telling Rex what's going on and Rex finding out the party. Honest to God, the man's an idiot. Don't see what pips he's in him, but there we are. As for the showdown in the ball, well, that was absolutely brilliant. Enjoyed every minute of it. And what's Rob going to do? The thing is, is he going to spiral out of control a bit when he realises that nobody likes him and he's not welcome in the village? We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, Royfield, 1 minute 30 seconds. Bye! Yes, if you haven't signed Auntie Jean's petition, sign it now or she will come to your house and beat you up. Um, She's instigated shit of the week, which <clears throat> at the moment is Toby Fairbrother. Um... It was, yes, it was Toby not telling Rex what, what was going. It was just, he's such a coward. To be fair to the guy, right? I mean, it's not a nice thing to have to say. No, no. And the thing that really tripped him up was the fact that his brother arrives one day and then there's a village get-together the day after. Yeah. So he really should have just, you know, just, just like, spoken to his... To, which one's the older brother? I presume Rex must be the older brother because he's more sensible. Yeah. You know, he should have just turned around to... to no, older... I think Toby's the older one. You know, I think so too, but normally isn't he's the older brother's the one that's slightly more conservative. The older sibling, sorry. But anyway, yeah, whoever... No, I, I think it's not. However, um, I think that's really what tripped him up. Though, whether he was caught snogging uh, Pip or not, very obviously... That is going to be news of the village, news of the party, and somebody would turn around to Rex at some point yeah. and says, oh, yeah. what do yeah. you reckon to? Yeah, yeah. So actually, yeah. the scene of him seeing his brother was actually not needed. No. And it would have been better, you know, it would be a, a better dramatic plot device would have just been somebody turning around and saying, oh, what do you reckon, blah, 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 and then going, what? And him just losing it in and of that yeah. moment. And then turning around to to toby and when toby has no idea that he knows and just you know let him have it verbally would have been yeah. much stronger but hey i really didn't like pip's behavior when uh when he when to when rex came back and um he said to toby so where were you last night why didn't you come and say hello to me and pip said yeah where were you toby and i thought now that's mean because that is in retrospect he's gonna know that you're teasing him without him you're teasing but you know what's not knowing. what's not been outlined for a fact is that pip knows 
that Rex had a thing for her. Mm. We, we don't know for a fact that she does. You know, you might say, well, it was incredibly obvious. But for a start off, Toby's not turned around and says, my brother's had a thing for you for months, but I just dived in. He's not. No, but Alice that. told her, didn't she? Yeah. But just because Alice said, yeah. doesn't mean no. that Pip took it completely on. Because Pip at that point said, no, he doesn't. And she was, oh, come on. Yeah. You know, she didn't. She didn't just and you Alice... Know like a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> no, it's starting to sound like Ricky Pollard. No, right, because like Alice said to him, that <laughs> 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 he and I said, no, he didn't. And then he said, yes, he did. And then anyway, they caught a snogging and that's why. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? I thought that was, that's very good. But it was Alice's opinion. Alice yeah. didn't present it as fact, i.e. Rex told me. She just says, by the look of him and the way he has puppy dog eyes around you, etc., etc. Yeah, 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 that's true. Mm. Goddess Diva! Hey, Dumpty Dance, Goddess Diva here, wishing to give massive props and kudos to Emma Grande! In the blue corner, it's Rob, you sad, pathetic bully. And in the other corner, it's Emma, warrior, becking queen. Oh, my days. So lovely to hear all the way through that episode, that omnibus, Emma's just giving him what for. And, um... Me being a feminist, and I'm obviously going to have to point this out, that anybody who thinks Jazza was the hero of the hour needs to remember that he was just making polite small talk when Rob turned up at the farm. And it was Emma who gave him what for, even when he turned up to the shop. So, yay, Emma. Go, Emma. It's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. Very chuffed. Okay, I'm off to watch Luke Cage now. Apparently, it's quite good. And, um... Speak to you all soon. Bye. We only need to say four words after Goddess Diva's call. Emma Grundy, Warrior Princess. <laughs> Is this an opportune time to hit our listeners with some news about the person that plays Emma Grundy? Yes. Go on then. Uh, you want me to? Yeah. Next week, uh, Emerald O'Hanrahan, who plays Emma Grundy, Warrior Princess, will be coming on the show. She doesn't listen. She hasn't got a clue what we are. But uh, she's a very nice woman. And she is delighting herself in being the new Boudicca of of Borsetshire. So, uh, yeah, she'll be on the show. So that will be out next Tuesday. Hoorah. Is this Boudicca the second then? Yes. Because Jennifer's Boudicca the first. Yes. I think, no, no, I think she could. I think she's been deposed. All, all Jennifer does is tiddle around with the website now. She doesn't do anything, does she? And she wouldn't stand up to Titchy Knob. She wouldn't say anything. She'd just go, oh, dear. Well, I don't think that's, yes. Hmm. I don't know. Jennifer has a little bit of a steel in her spine. When you back her completely into a corner, yeah. she does. She's not, com- she's not, she's not completely, utterly a wet rag. But, uh, but uh, anyway, anyway. So well, she ne- hasn't even spoken to Justin yet about the inadvisability of hiring Rob. She's spoken Mm. to everyone else except Justin. Mm. Good point. Good point. Uh, But before I forget, folks, if you have a question you'd like to pop along to uh, old Emerald, uh, why don't you speak pipe it to us or email it in and we'll make sure that your question gets posed. Good day. This is Millie Bell just phoning in as a caller in uh, because this is not part of my roundup. These are just my personal thoughts. 
thoughts. One thing I just wanted to say was when Josh asked his dad for some money for having done such a good deal on the uh, lawnmower thing, I was really, really cross because I thought that David would say, yep, no worries, we're going to give you 400 bucks. By the way, you're going to start paying board and lodging. And he just rolled over. And I just thought that was appalling and actually not very good parenting. Uh, so that was one thing. And then the other thing that occurred to me during the week was twice recently, Alice has said that Chris, neither Chris nor she would have an affair. So I just want to say, I think one of them is going to have an affair. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Hooray. Um, Millie Bell has called in, not as social media extra, ex, um, gatherer extraordinaire, but as herself. <laughs> she says, that David just rolled over and gave Josh the money for that mower. He didn't. She, he didn't say at any point. Right, Mush, you're asking me for four hundred quid. How exactly? Uh, what exactly do you think you owe me for the amount of boarding lodging that I'm you're taking from me as your gap year? When I first heard that, I thought that's a very good point, and it's not at all a bad point. But we don't know what the financial arrangement is with him doing work on the farm anyway. We don't know. It could be that it's offset against uh, yeah. board and lodging. We just don't know. However, you have a point. You have a point, but we don't know the whole thing. But full. he doesn't really do work on the farm, does he? He just does um, He does his chickens, that's all. Hmm. Is that true? Has he not kind of... Yeah, well... Hmm. Every now and again he goes out and tiddles around with the cows or whatever. Well, that's... What, that, well, that's what i thought but right cosmo mr <laughs> detail cosmo, <laughs> yokel bear now hello dumb to dumb it's yokel bear here calling from the rolling hills of yokelshire i don't like alice there i've said it I don't like Pip either, but I actually prefer Pip to Alice. And it all came to a bit of a head for me this week. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Yokelgate. Yes. Alice was just so awful in that kind of, come along, Ed, I want people to meet you. Like he was some kind of slack-jawed yokel, some kind of fairground exhibit to be shown off. Um... I just thought it was awful, and as you know, I'm kind of a, you know, I think class is a thing in the archers, and that was that was all about the kind of, look, there's the poor people tilling the land whilst we do all the kind of high-tech stuff and everything. You know, that whole management speak, end user, I almost threw up. Um, but to be honest with you, do you know what, Alice... You can just stick it up your agribusiness as far as I'm concerned. I think it was just rude. It was awful. And she probably doesn't even realise it. She thinks that, you know, because she seems quite self-centred as a character, to say the least. Um, so, yeah, wasn't impressed by that. But I did have a moment of the week. And funnily enough, my moment of the week wasn't actually on the archers. It was straight after the archers. The omnibus... On Sunday. So we've got the big kind of confrontation between Emma and Jazza and Adam and, and um, Rob. Um, but the continuity announcer afterwards said, Blimey, that blew the froth off of Bert Fry's pint. And that made me roar with laughter. 
bravo continuity announcer. That was just superb. Uh, it's hardly news that you don't like Alice Cooper. <laughs> but yes, continuity, I am loving them at the minute. I think they are so relieved that they don't have to end every episode with going, Ugh, uh, because we ended on a Rob scene. You know, mm-hmm. or they've had to do the if you've been affected by show baby issues in the show, da 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 da. That they now when he he ended that um that the 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 the, the Emma and Rob row when he said, well that blew the froth off Bert Fry's pint. Just fabulous. <laughs> They're really really going for it now. They're like hurrah because they've been let off the leash. It's great. Ooh. Um, Sarah Brown. Golden Brown texture like sun hello dumpty dum it's sarah brown here i absolutely loved this week's episodes i thought there was something quite amazingly um dramatic had a proper trajectory as far as rob was concerned i'm kind of you know slightly indifferent to the side stories about alice and pip and that crowd but um and i don't quite Get Alice. I think she's a bit odd. Anyway, there you go. Um, I wouldn't have wanted one of my sons to bring her home, let's put it that way. Um, anyway, and as for Pip, well, you know, good for her in a way, I suppose. I don't know. Look, the business about Rob, I listened to it every day last week and I thought, gosh, I feel that the village knows him differently at the end of the week than the way they did at the beginning and more so than in the trial. What I really enjoyed was somebody early on in the week when when he first saw the baby, when he first saw Mizen Jack Gideon, um, that actually one almost felt tiny little weeny bit sorry for him, tiniest bit sorry for him. And by the end of the week, we knew that other people now saw him in his true colours. Good for Emma, good for Jazza, good old Jazza. He's getting to be really one of my favourite characters, him and Jim. I wish we had more of him and Jim together, that would be grand. But um, there you go, I really liked it and I listened to it again and I went for my walk and I had it on in my ears and I was walking back thinking I'd better not do a fist pump because it will look very strange. Uh, Anyway, jolly good stuff. Sarah Sarah Brown, I loved the fact that you said I was listening in my ears. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to call it that. I'm not going to say I've got headphones on. I'm going to say I am listening in my ears. Um, yes, Alice is a bit odd. I agree. And it was a absolutely right. It was a fabulous trajectory of Rob because there were a few people who were beginning to see, beginning to... Uh, I don't know, countenance? Or against their better judgment, feel a strange feeling of sympathy for Rob at the start of the week when he was wrestling with Giddy Jack and was having to ask Tony for help and all Mm. that sort of stuff. And then by the end of the week, we all wanted to kill him again. So it was great. It was kind of this 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 lovely little arc um, of 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 and they end the, by the end of it, you know, him threatening Emma and being vile and swanning around and assuming that he was still, you know, are going to be a pillar of the local community and everything so you sort of go full circle it was lovely really really lovely love beautifully done no it was and and i know that numerous uh listeners have said this but it's actually i think this is an absolute vintage week you know yeah. it, absolute vintage week. many people have said that this week mm. haven't they yep yep yep, yep. 
Um, uh, just whilst you're trying to uh, collect your thoughts and maybe go on to the next call, um, people in the West Country, specifically uh, Bristol, um, Auntie Jean is sorting out a dum dum get-together for uh, Saturday, October the 29th. I suggest you get your bum over onto Twitter, go find her, and you can kind of tweet her and, and ask her for more details. But right here and now, I think there's some seven uh, Bristolians that are going to that meetup. So it's uh, October the 29th, which is a Saturday, and I believe it's going to happen early evening. And she's kind of canvassing people as to where exactly they want to meet for drinks and I think maybe have something to eat. But uh, so um, it's Auntie Jean, which is Jean R61. So that's J-E-A-N-R 61 on the Twitters. And um, go and get yourself there if you can. Uh, we now have Naked Fingers, who has the nicest voice in the world. And if he's not in radio, he should be, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. Naked Fingers here, back in Blighty and just about recovered from my jet lag, but still reeling from having my dulcet tones compared to those of Mr. Titchy Knob. Thanks, Lucy. I'm calling in with a bit of a plot prediction. Uh, regards, Toby and Pip. And Rex, I think Rex is going to spill the beans about what's been going on in Brighton. Not immediately, but, you know, the pent-up sexual frustration and anger at his brother. He doesn't have sexual frustration at his brother. I certainly hope not. Uh, Although that would make an interesting plot. Um, Is going to burst forth in a massive ejaculation of um, spite and bile. And he is going to let it slip to Pip what has been going on in Brighton. And we will all find out, and the manure will hit the combine harvester blades, and all hell will break loose. I know, I'm sorry that you sound like Titchy Knob, but you do. And when you said, I am still reeling, you sounded exactly like him. So there we go. If you don't want me to say that you don't sound like him, stop sounding like him. Um, He reckons Rex is going to fess up about what happens in Brighton as a way of putting Pip off. I had completely forgotten about Brighton. Mm. I think that is a very good call. Excellent call indeed, sir. Yep. Hurrah. Right. John the First. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's John the First here. I haven't called her in a wood since the verdict, and like everybody, I'm absolutely delighted, but a little bit nervous about what the future holds for Helen. But anyway, what I want to talk about this week is um, hints and subliminal messages that are being dropped by the scriptwriters for future storylines, although they're actually not that subliminal. I think the two blatant ones that are being hinted at right now are, first of all, Alice. I think she's going to have an affair with this new um, boss of hers that she seems to be so enamoured with. Literally, possibly. Um, I just think the way that she keeps going on about, oh, well, that would never happen to me. Chris would never do that to me. I'd never do that. It just smacks of you're going to have an affair, doesn't it? And the final one, the, the the other one that is really sticking out for me, unfortunately, is Joe. I think the fact that he keeps saying he's going to go on forever and he could live out the rest of his days and he could go on for years and years and years blatantly means he's not going to. Um, and I have a nasty feeling that could be a Christmas storyline. Either that or some sort of explosive conclusion to the Rob storyline. But we'll see. Anyway, nice and short this week. But um, loving the podcast as ever. Speak to you soon. Bye for now. Alice cannot be chirping on so... 
annoyingly about infidelity and how her and Chris would never do that to each other without one of them doing it to each other. Absolutely. He reckons, uh, John the First reckons it's Alice's new boss. Who she does keep seeing to 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 be sort of hero worshipping a little bit at the moment, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. And also, Chris appears to have spontaneously combusted behind his own apron. So you know, who knows? Maybe that's it. <laughs> but you can't. They can't unless this is a red herring the size of Moby Dick. They it's can't not. have. They can't have this. This. Yeah, because all of a sudden we've had just not even just that whole line. Uh, from from Alice about the whole oh being so anti Adam's affair, we just have Alice. She's come out of nowhere. The last yeah. the last thing we heard of her, she and was singing massively unsympathetically as well. Exactly. Everyone was going, oh god, she was so awful. Absolutely, point. absolutely. The last we heard of her, she was in the back of the car going to an agricultural show. Uh, that was months ago, and then before that, we hadn't heard of her in how many no. years? So, yeah, yeah they're also yeah. queuing her up for something. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, <clears throat> Rachel Louise here at Tanya Ray Ray on Twitter. Just wondering um, w- whether we should start placing our bets now for when Chris is caught with his trousers down. Blatantly, he's going to cheat on Alice. I think it's going to be the big Christmas slash New Year storyline. Any other guesses? Bye. Tiny Ray Ray agrees Chris will be caught with his trousers down and thinks that's going to be the big Christmas and New Year storyline. Hmm. Yeah, I hope it is because I don't well, want their knob bust up at Christmas because well, that would be horrible. Yet if you're going back to Ambridge Extra days, when she went off to uni in Southampton, I believe she went, it was her that nearly had that dalliance with that oik down there. Yeah. You know, so she has a little bit of form in terms of not being 110% kind of faithful. Yeah. And it was Chris that came down and was strong but firm but somewhat kind of understanding and and she thanked him for saving their marriage. Yeah. So, hmm. You know, the fact that there is no Chris says to me that actually yeah. it's going to be Alice. And that... also it's always the people that are most, you know, it's like it's always the politicians that are most vehemently uh, anti-gay turn out to be, you know rogering everything that moves in their spare time and all that sort of thing so it's people that are vehemently anti um uh you know what i'm trying to say because i don't um people that make the most noise about mm. uh, a certain issue are normally because it's something that they recognize in themselves and don't like hmm. so you're saying that really i'm pro brexit <laughs> yes and your mum <laughs> is remain yes that's what i <laughs> Jan Mitchell has discovered a secret relative. Hello, Royfield, Lucy, Millie Bell, and Harriet, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Jan from Can Calling, and I have really good news. Um, I was chatting on the phone with my cousin the other day, and I haven't heard from her in a long time. And I told her, I shared with her my love of the archers. And lo and behold, I discover that my cousin Jean has been listening to the archers faithfully for many years. So we were both like beside ourselves with happiness. (laughs) She is one province over, so 
She's in the Alberta prairies, so we won't see each other very often, but we do have the phone. So I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of Sunday evening chats in the future. I told her about Dumpty Dum, and that got her equally excited. So keep your eyes open for Jean. She spells her name J-E-I-N, and uh, she's from Alberta, and she's my cousin. So hopefully she'll download your show and even give you a good review on iTunes. Okay, well, that's it for me, my good news. And again, thank you to Royfield for putting that out there. Tell me more. Jan from Cannes, if you're going to discover a secret cousin and then you find out that the secret cousin, not only do you have a secret cousin, but she lives in the next province and she listens to the archers, how exciting is that? You get all your, all your, all your excitingness boxes ticked. Fantastic. Um, so that's lovely. You can get together and listen to the archers and you can force her to listen to Dumpty Dum as well. And then she can ring in and then it will all be lovely. In it. Hi, I'm Jack Smith, first time caller in a cooker of custard tuna bake on the forum. Um, I work in accounts on the North Norfolk coast. Uh, I have a Dumpty mog called Julie. I've had some problems trying to identify which character I am. I started listening mid-2011 and can't remember who was new. Henry was uh, early 2011, so I'm regrettably not an archer, but maybe I'm a Titchener. Um, I hope not, but I could be. I'm calling in um, midweek to ask a simple question. Uh, where is Charlotte? Because she had that uh, interview with Rob, which we had to listen to, um, and, you know, obviously it caused us a bit of distress to think someone else might be snared up in his web of lies etc since then she's completely disappeared i understand there's not really a need for rob to employ her but i'm just wondering why we got to listen to that but we weren't able to listen to her ian and helen meeting for the first time in however long when she was in prison um i just didn't really understand what the point of that was other than to get covered in the express which it was and, and so on and so forth so I, I presume she just read the media reporting and just uh, made sure she stays away. Anyway, um, I hope to call in more. I've been listening to you guys since, uh, well, just under a year. And uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Cheers. Jack Smith now. He was, he is a listener from 2011, but he doesn't want to be a Titchener so, for completely understandable reasons. So we need to find another character that came, popped up at the same time as, as Rob so that we can call people that because it's not fair to make anybody a Titchener. Well, let's just say as a Charlie then, because Charlie came in at roundabout the same uh, time, yeah, yeah. didn't he? Or Henry, as he said. Henry was... Hmm, okay. No, hang on, because that would make him a Titchener, wouldn't he? Yes, because Henry took, took yeah. his name, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, call him a, you're, a, you're a proper Charlie. There you yes. go. Right, Charlie, you are. Um, where is Charlotte? Yes, Charlotte was only there... I think to presume how to show how delusional Rob was. I think that was well, Charlotte's... but also to show us uh, Rob's modus operandi, how he actually, yeah. you know, how subtle it is at the start. But oh, you know, he's I already have got the clock. Exactly, about you. exactly. <laughs> That's the re- that was the reason for Charlotte to give us the listeners the heebie-jeebies. And also, Jack Smith, I am going to the North Norfolk coast for October half term. So if there's anywhere nice that you think I should see, then ring in and tell me where it is and I shall go to it because I don't know that bit at all. Uh, Right, now, Christina Auckland. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. It's Christina Auckland here. Khalifa, 
on the Twitters. Um, I just had to ring in because I'm giggling at Royfield, his pronunciation of my uh, company. It's cornerstonelabs.co.uk. There's no S on stones. <laughs> it's cornerstonelabs.co.uk. <laughs> Royfield um, has been making me laugh quite a lot <laughs> with it, although it's making me wonder if my if the name of my company is really, really poorly chosen but there we go um also i feel a little bit responsible for the for the argument between royfield and lucy not this week but the week before and i have got to say i i um i'm with lucy toby is he's a player and i think he's going to get bored although i'm not sure that rex is going to pick up the pieces so i may be changing my mind a little bit on that anyway i shall talk to you soon ta for now bye I'll just back out of this call completely. I was going to say, I? quite frankly, Christina, I am unbelieving <laughs> that you are continuing to ring in. Did you, know, did you know that the only reason Snickers is called Snickers is because Royfield kept calling them Matheron before? Um, <laughs> please don't change the name of your company just because we can't pronounce it. We're idiots. Um, no, thank you for your I, patience, I, Christina. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot, Lucy. <laughs> But it's made her actually question whether or not it was a wise choice of company name. Mm. Do not start pulling on that thread, Christina. You and I are on the same page here about Toby. The man's it, an ass. There is there is a slight little tiny whiny point, apart from the fact that I'm an idiot and I can't read things. Right. And then my mouth has a life of its own. <laughs> it's a bit like telephone numbers. You don't need to know them anymore. You just kind of just hit that person's name on your phone. Yes. And it's a, and, and URLs are kind of almost similar. You know, you see it on, on, a, on an email or a web link. You just kind of click on it, don't you? Yeah. And then, but when you're, you know, but then you're forced to kind of like read it, read it out. And it's a bit like, oh, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Forward slash backslash dot co <laughs> dot US dot org you know it's a bit it's a bit unwieldy especially if okay. your teeth and your tongue don't cooperate with you well anyway thank you very much mm. uh, christina for for persevering with us um <clears throat> we've had an email from cosmo um who has been accidentally sent the uh the financial report for brookfield and it says, uh, for the size of your farm, it is odd. This is to David, I think. It is odd that you have as much diversification as you have with cows, sheep, the beef enterprise, and some cereal growing. Your wife's unexpected additional cash injection into the overall business has allowed that diversification to increase with you lending money to your brother, daughter, and son. We will remark further on these later. Are you a farmer or a banker? Yes, he does seem to be forking it over left, right and centre, doesn't he? Even more more so than you would expect a farmer to, really. Um, uh, overall, this year you've lost money because of the herd changeover and the revised carving pattern. Uh, we know that the money spent on promoting Hassett Hills lamb has declined yet again. Uh, da, da, da. We have yet to see any payback on the loan made to Mr. Kenton Archer for the ball. We understand that Miss Pip Archer is not yet in a position to repay money from the Bullocks at Home Farm. Uh, the ho- you've lost the holiday rental income from y- Rickyard Cottage, oh, which has also made this year worse. I don't. I can see penury beckoning here. 
And we're not sure why you should continue the rent-free arrangement with Mr E Grundy over one field. From our knowledge of the village, he now has enough land at Grange Farm to ensure the cider shed qualifies as an agricultural building. Um, Good grief. It does mean that you've loose, eaten Loose, loose, yeah. loose, loose. What? We just need to... When are we going to get Cosmo on the show so we can just dissect everybody's um, income? It's it so depressing. We'd all go off and jump in in the in the lake. In the am. In the am. Yeah, he says um, we they need to he needs to give strong consideration to reworking your wills to ensure the right structure is in place in the long term. Aha, yes. Well, when Ambridge runs out of storylines, it always looks towards bequests, doesn't it? <laughs> That's kind That's of true. like a perennial. If either someone has an affair or. Someone decides That's to rehash their will. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I can see that, especially now Josh and Pip are sort of, uh, you know, jockeying for position, so to speak. Joshying for position uh, in terms of who's going to take over the farm. And apparently, you know, they've got there's going to be sort of rivals with, with, with Alice and her newfound love of remote control farming or whatever it is she does. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh! And we had another email from mm-hmm. Borrowed Time because you asked who uh, people on uh, our listeners would like to hear on the show, mm-hmm. which are actors. And yeah. Borrowed Time suggested, I, for one, would like to hear Derek Fletcher, Jean Harvey, Mrs. Noakes, Molly <laughs> Butter, Fatball, Baggy Snatch, Foster, Sabrina Thwaite and Neville Booth. Although it is possible that they have been regulars on Dumpty Dum for months. <laughs> I know. They all sit on the back. They sit further down the bed with Derek and we have to mute them. So actually they are all on it anyway. That's it. End of calls. End of emails. Right. Uh, just before we have a little advertisement break. Um, Dumpty Dogs. Don't forget that is the hashtag for if you've got a little pooch and you want to kind of let your pooch have its moment in the sun. Now... Our wondrous guest this week um, has got a Dumpty Dog. Oh, her name is Gertrude. And oh. go on to dumptydum.com. <laughs> Put in the hashtag Dumpty Dog to see Gertrude in all of her wet nose finery. She oh. looks awesome and so does Isabel also. Let's see you the other side with a touch of Millie Bell and tweet of the last seven days. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. Cat Brown here. If you found life in Ambridge a bit stressful of late, a bit lacking in baking competitions and double entendres that don't involve Lillian entering her gentleman's buttonhole, as excellent as that was, then may I make a very polite suggestion. Search for Soggy Bottoms in your podcasting toolkit and you'll head over to a Great British Bake Off fan podcast. In our latest episode, we interview Anna Dragorin herself, actress at Isabel Middleton, about that storyline and her love of buns. So, if that sounds tempting, add us to your iTunes playlist. Even if we moulder away there like that Nutribullet you bought in 2014, we'll still love you very much, especially if you call in via SpeakPipe. In your marks, get set, speak! When you don't have a roof over your head... Build that wall. Build that wall. There was Build nothing marked wall. classified on my wall. emails Build either sent or received. Build that wall! I am humbled to have been chosen by the Conservative Party to become its leader.
that Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the ocean from the perspective of the other. Do you have a National Trust sticker on your car? Do you think you could be best friends with Kath Kidson? Do you spend hours wandering around the airport looking for an organic quinoa cafe because you refuse to go to Burger King? Then Sarah Smith Cloths are for you. Available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Good day, everyone. Well, I'm back from Canberra. I got back just in time for the storms to hit South Australia and then Victoria. We were much luckier than South Australia. We didn't get a power blackout. But uh, anyway, it's been interesting times. Um, But back to the real world and, of course, the archers. On our forum, which, as Royfield said last week, is getting very nicely busy, we've got a discussion about the Chaise Long, started by Moldy Rose, Go Emma, also by Moldy Rose. Uh, we're asking who do you want on Dumpty Dum and why, which we're also asking on Facebook. That was started by Royfield. Uh, how often do you get it by Julian Kelly? And uh, On Your Todd, which uh, was some clarification from Fiona Siobhan Powell. Uh, on our Facebook page, we have uh, been talking about the Flower and Produce Show, which is quintessential archers. And we were just discussing uh, which events scream the archers for us. And Fiona Siobhan Powell said, Flower and Produce gets me every time. There is invariably a chutney scandal or incident of the ginger biscuits, and I remember with cold dread the vicious competition of similar events, enough to make one's jam boil over and one's scones to fall flat. I like what you did there, Fiona. Uh, Alison Butler says, Open Farm Sunday, whenever I see a banner for it in the real world, I worry about the event competing with whatever Brookfield is offering. Oh, that's gorgeous, Alison. Jacqueline Berto says that Flower and Produce Show is the one for me. James Powell says the single wicket. Liz Villalobos says quiz night. Uh, Nick Austin, at one time when the Welsh chap ran the cat and fiddle, the gay pied march in London was at least as important as the Christmas panto and the Flower and Produce Show put together. What on earth was his name? Sid hated him, which was a good enough reason for liking him even more. Uh, lots more where that came from, so uh, jump on if you'd like to see what others uh, view are the most important parts. Uh, Royfield published that there, let there be a peal of the bells. The fatwa has been lifted. Isabel Middleton, who plays Anna Shagoran, is on next week's show. Thanks everyone who wrote letters to the BBC. And we really do thank everyone who wrote to the BBC uh, because it's in all our interest, but you know, you actually took the time to do it and we really appreciate that, so thank you. We also wondered when Josh became so tactful, he actually managed to stay out of spilling the beans uh, about Toby, which I found very odd as he'd been so happy to gossip earlier. Uh, Catherine Kavner said perhaps he's got a sensitive kind side to him after all. Unlike that appalling sister of his, what a cruel, nasty piece of work she is. Rachel Lewis says he only told Ruth about Pip to get out of trouble himself. Perhaps he likes Rex and doesn't want to upset him. And actually, I think that you're probably spot on there, Rachel. 
Claire Asbury saving it up to use at a more convenient time to suit him. Oh, we are cynics about him, aren't we? Rachel Hannah says, does he know Rex likes Pip? I'm confused. Uh, yeah, I think he does. Uh, and a bit more in that vein. Uh, we are now waiting for actors to appear on the show again, starting with Anna. So those are all our conversations on Facebook. We would love you to join in. I mean, we really would love you to join in, so please find us on Facebook, or we would love you to get involved on the forum where all um, a variety of people uh, to, uh, on there, but a, a lot of people are involved in both. So you, you know, you, you pick who you like to have chats with, or pick your topic. And until then, I will see you next week. Hooroo! Thank you, Millie. Uh, Luce. Yes. Hit us with those tweets. Uh, Jim Parker said, mm-hmm. "As a penguin returning to the crowded colony can recognise its chick, so can Carol recognise her chutney." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jam Spangle, Jamie D, mm-hmm. said, "Did Jazza? I'll show you how we treat bullies where I come from." Ties him up, plays bagpipes incessantly for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, Julia Mosdale said, after Friday's episode, "Still reeling. Haven't seen a villain uncovered so well since Scooby Doo." <laughs> um, Min Monk said, "This is like a Bake Off spin-off." That's not my chutney. I feel a hilarious spin-off series coming on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tweet of the week is once again this man deserves a a award for being the most tweeted tweet most tweety of the weeky person is Hinge Zandel, who had Emma shouting Fallon Cup of Earl Grey for the rapist on table five. <laughs> 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 and then sympathy tweet of the week which we don't normally do but this is a lovely one hannah clark 74 said i saved up dumpty dum and a week's worth of the archers for today's train journey i forgot my headphones i'm crying <laughs> <laughs> but then later there was a happy ending because later on she tweeted a photo of some rather nasty looking neon pink headphones that she'd bought so i'm very pleased she said, I am no, I will not be beaten, she said. <laughs> and I'll tell you what else won't be beaten. Our shop on dumdydum.com. If you want a mug, a t-shirt, a baby grow, um, a flask. We do them. We, we, we do, we do, we do, we do. Uh, we do all manner of apparel that you can even, can't even dream that has a Dumpty Dum logo on it. Or some pithy little slogan or comment that Lucy thought up in her noggin. So if you want to put a little bit of gin in this and it's an inappropriate container to have gin in, <laughs> we have that too. So dumdydum.com forward slash shop. However, dumdydum.com in and of itself is a wondrous thing too. And you can go there, you can add your own content or you can even go onto our forum, which is going great guns right now, which I'm sure Millie Bell has just said. And you can kind of join in with the debate because I know a lot of people actually like to talk about things on the forum and not on Facebook because you can be somewhat anonymous on the old forum. But anyway, go there, dumdydum.com forward slash forum or dumdydum.com just for your dumdydum needs. Now, Lucy, iTunes, we've had more new reviews this week. You know what, Lucy? We're in um, what's hot in uh, TV and film. Are we? Yeah, and iTunes. Yeah, yeah. Blimey. yeah. He's like, we're like, we're hot. 
we're hot um, because not only are is our traffic going up but we're getting lots of lovely reviews now this week we had one from julia chalk in blighty uh hasty lanyon from the colony that got away back in soon to be brexit britain we had stedman's from poochie lavish uh rebecca say uh bingley baggy born again swimmer and sqc107 thank you for your itunes reviews folks now um you've been helping us keep our little show on the road uh through our fundraising for our russian issue um you will have noticed folks (laughs) that there is no more russian intrusion there's been Yay! no more Russian incursions on our we forum for some lot. time, for some time. So that little patch has worked, but the real work kind of starts now. Uh, I did say last week that we were going to give everybody a massive roll call of everybody that's kind of uh, donated. But I know since we've actually been doing this show, uh, a little donation has also come in. So um, I'm going to do it next week. And believe you me, it's a long list. We have a lot of people to thank. So that will happen next week. Um, so, but if you do want to help us, that's quite simply. You can do. Do it you by think hitting... there's a Russian sitting somewhere with a white cat on his lap saying, "So, Mister Brown, you think you have beaten me? <laughs> I will be back." <laughs> no, a- absolutely. It, it's one of those kind of counterintuitive things that if somebody sees your website as being worthwhile to try and spam, yeah. actually. It's a sign of success, and that because actually what well, it's like done... having a stalker. You've got to be famous enough to have a stalker, haven't you? And 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 celebrities that don't have one get a bit miffed sometimes. No, listen, absolutely, absolutely, because it isn't just that it's some sado who is posting uh, this stuff on the site. They've actually written code specifically to get onto Dum Dum, so they can have five, ten, fifteen signups a day to keep on posting links back to the same uh, video sharing website. And it's in pure <laughs> bloody Cyrillic. So somebody somewhere says, right, we need to get web links. Who is this Peggy Archer? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it is. The link was, it's Matt and the Russian Mafia, wasn't it? You yeah. know, Ambridge has been on the Russian Mafia's kind of uh, hit list ever since that, yeah. you know, well, that three can, years ago we can thank bloody tiger for that can't well we? yeah pussycat yeah mm. Mm. anyway uh we're digressing because Sorry. we still have our guest waiting in the wings here lucy and she's chomping at the bit now if you've kind of don't want to hit that donate button and you say to yourself hmm i'd like to give these people regular money how can they do that written in red lucy you can go to patreon.com search for dumpty dum and you can donate two dollars a show which is about one pound and a bit hmm. pounds fell again today hasn't it on news of uh, one pound uh, depending on brexit that's mm. that's what whatever. well it, it's something depending on brexit uh remember to get in contact with us folks you can send us a voice message via speak pipe on our website i've got a request if you are sending in a speak pipe message Please, for the love of all things holy, don't leave the field where it says put your name and email address empty. Can you please fill it out? Because it yes, adds... it's hell on earth for us to make exactly. the ground what. I've been meaning to say this for about a month and I keep on I forgetting. I did that. Do you just have to listen to everyone again? You have to listen to everyone Arr! again because there is absolutely no way of knowing. And I'm, I don't want to point the finger at anybody, Yokel Bear, but there are some people... <laughs> 
who absolutely refuse week after week and it's all anonymous and you have like five anonymouses and you're trying to edit them together and you're like which anonymous is this so please (laughs) yokel bear et al uh please can you just put your name and email address there because uh, it does mean that Dum De Dums will be delivered to the whole Dum De Dum universe that little bit quicker. Thank you very much. You're holding up the whole operation, Yoko Bear. <laughs> to be fair to you, Yoko Bear, if you're the only person who was anonymous, <laughs> it'd be pretty easy to figure out <laughs> who's who. But you're not the only one. But you are a frequent offender, just saying. Or you can call us on 02030313105 to leave us a telephonic message. On social media, specifically Twitter, you can find us where we're at Dumpty Dum. Me, I'm at Royfield, but R O I F I E L D. Harriet is at Sandbridges. Sarah Smith is at Sarah underscore Smith, and I am at Lucy V. Freeman. And I am at Barnacle Bell. Am I? I think that's right. I think I am. I'm at Barnacle Bell, yes. Yes. Where did you come up with that? I like sailing. My dad mm. used to be in the Navy, so I like a barnacle. And obviously, Belle is short for Isabel. So. Ah, I And thought... I also like Captain Haddock in Tintin, who says a lot of blue blistering barnacles. So there we are. On the Book of Face, uh, you can go find us. Just simply type in dum dum and you're just hit with a whole smorgasbord of lovely dum dumness uh, who's it's kind of more marshalled by the lovely Millie Bell. So go over to Facebook for some Facebook action. Luce, uh, yep. any passing shots? No. Nope. Nope. Right, smashing. Nope. All right. Oh, someone else had a dream that Titchy Knob was shooting them, so it's not just me, because I just say that. Hmm. All right. It's me and one other nutter. There we go. Yeah, one other total obsessive. Yeah. Smashing. Right, um, Isabel, over to you. What, Royfield? I really enjoy chatting to you. Oh. I, I was leaving a pause then. I thought you were <laughs> going to say something else. But... No, because, no, I really think, right, that, that you know, it was, it was an interview of substance because, I, you know, every now and then I play these things for a little bit of a laugh, a little bit of a giggle and whatever. But I, I really feel that I think the listeners of which I'm the proxy for that we gleam something from you the actor and, and the actor's work and um, I, th- I really think that was good and I don't know what the well, hell I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> well it all sounded lovely I, I have enjoyed myself enormously That's I mean really. I, I have to say that that coming on Dumpty Dum to talk to you, mm. I, I was slightly nervous about it because obviously the only reason I want to talk to you is because I, I want to enhance the listener's experience. And what I really <laughs> am nervous about is detracting from their enjoyment by either saying too much or too little or the wrong thing. You know, it's a. I I know that listeners are are extremely loyal and also quite outspoken and. I certainly wouldn't want to um, upset anybody by giving... I mean, like the ones that don't like looking at your picture. <laughs> Not your picture, my picture. I know people have, have you know, uh, been quite vociferous about that. They don't want to know what we look like, and quite right too. Um, so I just hope that uh, talking to you has not detracted from their enjoyment of the Archers, which, let's face it, is the prime um, objective in all of this. 
what we are is definitely a companion program, a companion piece, mm-hmm. and and all it does is act as uh, further fuel, really, to, to the whole thing. And I, I suppose um, that what we are is kind of the second. I'm going to say the second screen, but we're not a second screen. We're the second ear, aren't we? <laughs> So now we're hearing in stereo. No, it's marvellous. Well, I'll tell you one thing you didn't tell us about in, in your interview. Now, now we're oh, at yeah. the end of the show. Yeah. Is um, this great play that you're writing or <gasps> plays that you've got. Tell us about those quickly. I'll tell you very quickly. I, I, I've been writing for some time and I am trying to get uh, one of several plays into development. The, the trouble being that I'm actually quite... I, I am quite good at writing. I'm very good at writing dialogue, but mm. I'm slightly less less good. <laughs> there we are. That's literary for you, isn't it? I'm not so good at um, uh, story structure. So this is something I need to work on. I also tend to write rather epic plays that have kind of, you know, they stretch over continents and, and uh, centuries and have uh, casts of about 45. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Which is in these austere times, uh, particularly uh, for the arts, they're not the easiest thing to put on. So I'm currently trying to write a two person play that takes place in one room. Wow, sir. And then, so tell us about the whole process of, say, let's say you've written this play, then what would be the, the next step? Oh, God. Well, if I knew that, I wouldn't be here. I'd be having my plays put on uh, all around the world, wouldn't I? It's difficult. It is difficult. And, you know, without wishing to harp on this idea of being, Mm. uh, you know, uh, older, I think it's much easier to start out as a uh, as a playwright if you're kind of in your late teens or up to the age of about 30, because there are all sorts of resources for young writers, because, of course, every theatre or producer wants to discover the next big thing. And it's quite right too there should be support for all these people but if you're somebody who is coming to writing perhaps in your middle years mm-hmm. uh, as i am it's actually very uh, difficult isabel let me just, just, yes. just back up right i know yeah. for a fact i'm older than you and i'm nowhere near my middle years so <laughs> okay okay what years are we close to then well are I'm we in the... our second youth no that's when you're really old isn't it I um, am going to be 48 in December. 
Oh well, I'm older than you, Royfield. Oh, you you are in your in in your middle years then. <laughs> I, I am. I'm over that hill. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm very. But, but I'm you, obviously you know very what, youthful and flighty. You don't look it though, do you? No, I don't. I find that um, a regular intake of monkey glands has kept me sort of supernaturally young looking. Uh, <laughs> that's very kind of you to say so. You've obviously been looking at some old photographs of mine. But no, on a on a more serious note, <laughs> just to finish what I was saying, is that it is hard to get to have a complete change of direction at this age because there aren't many resources for you know 50 something year old uh, actors who want to become writers um because who wants to listen to what we've got to say but actually i feel that i'm at a time in my life when i do have something to say so it's it's not without its challenges um it's um slightly like pushing an elephant up the stairs but i think we may have reached the half landing along with um <laughs> caroline and oliver's chaise long um <laughs> And uh, I'm going to, you know, continue and hopefully get something on the stage. Well, listen, best of luck with that. And let's just end up with a very quick, quick fire round. Right? Oh, God. OK. All right. So okay. um, tell us the first Archer storyline you can remember when you sat on Nanny's knee. Um, Elizabeth getting pregnant. OK. Yeah. Granny was horrified. <laughs> Who's your best pal amongst the Archers crew? Um, I'd have to... Oh, gosh, that's difficult because they are all lovely. But I made... I spent lots of time who's, who's with... Who's loveliest? Um, Louisa Paticus, who plays Helen, mm-hmm. and the marvellous Eleanor Bron, who plays my mum. OK. All right. Which dum-de-dum caller in is your favourite? Oh, I always like listening to... Um, is it Witherspoon? Mm-hmm. He always sounds like a character from an Armistead Moppin novel. And doesn't I always like that. Just, doesn't he just? Yeah. Yeah, I like him. And in an ideal world, how long would your tenure on The Archers be? Uh, until I... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Pop my clogs. Yeah, for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isabel Middleton, you are most awesome. Thank you for coming on. It's my absolute pleasure, Royfield, and thank you and all your listeners. Cool. All right, Luce. We're done. Okay. Right. Uh, I keep thinking we're gonna be shorter this week. <laughs>